I was hopeful that it was going to become a tradition unlike any other, starting each episode with a stump the band. And I am going to kind of start this episode with a stump the band, but I want to start it before I start it with something else. I don't know what you just said, but I just... <laughs> I thought you were going to say the new tradition should be an animal falling from the sky every time I get to your house. Oh, so no, I, no animals? I literally stood in your driveway and looked up to see if an enormous <laughs> bird was going to come. What are the odds? Two, two Sundays no, in a row. No. <laughs> but I did no. look. I thought, no. That startled it, me, man. That and, was pretty And serious. that fish did not stink up the garage. I, I tied it tight. In the bag, everything was fine. Yeah, that's good. But before we get to the stump the band, which <laughs> kind of starts the tea segment of the show. Yeah. I want to tell everybody the PGA Championship pool is up and running. Oh, good. Okay. I like I want to come right out of the yeah, gate with it. Mm -mm. Second major PGA Championship, Southern Hills. Phil's not gonna play. Tiger is gonna play. Wow. Phil's the defending champion, but he's not the defending champion because he's not gonna play. We'll get into that later. Okay. But we have the pool that's brought to you by Five Side Home Solutions where you pick five golfers. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com if you've ever played in these pools before. Free to play, easy to do it. You pick any five guys. They all must make the cut. Right. And then aggregate score, lowest aggregate score wins. Champion gets 500 bucks. Top 20 get paid. Love it. Okay. And the rule, if no one, no one has anyone who all who makes the cut, like if no one has anyone who makes the cut, <laughs> well, like you want to say that again? You no, mean, I don't know how to say it. But. You mean no one has all five guys that make the cut? Yeah, that would be anyone be. because why would you have more than five? So if you if if you don't have anyone, if no one has anyone who makes oh anyone of all five, <laughs> I don't know. What's the rule if if that happens? If what happens? If no, if, if no one no has one five fought, golfers okay, that make well, that the was, cut. That's, yeah. that's different than what you were saying. Right. Well, at least I'm, gl I'm glad you focused on that part of it. That's, <laughs> that's good. I'm good. If nobody has all five yeah. make the cut, yeah, yeah. then it goes to four. Then it goes to, okay, gotcha. Okay. By the way, you're not you're not the guy making fun of me when you no, didn't I realize KJR had moved channels, are you? Is that the same guy? Okay, okay. Are we going there right out of the gate? I knew. You know that I knew. I don't. I have tweeted congratulations about them moving. Doesn't mean you remembered. I'm old. I forget <laughs> okay, things. Okay, well that's. What I I'm don't wondering. listen to the radio very often anymore. Fine. I, I go into the oh I go into God. the car and if I turn on the radio, it's warm 106.9. <laughs> I had forgotten. I'm sorry. I had forgotten. Oh. For 25 years, I listened to KJR 950 AM just because <laughs> I didn't put 93.3 on. Yeah. The first time I had listened to KJR in like six months. Yeah. Because I'm used to putting on 950. Doesn't mean that I didn't know, okay? I, I, and, and I don't mean to get mad at you, but everybody's oh, like, dude, bounced. dude, wake up. I'm like, I, of course I knew. I loved it. Go back in my history. You'll see that I tweeted congratulations, and I talked about how much. I think I've even said it on the air. I mean, not on the air. On the podcast. Yeah, we talked about it, I think, yeah. How how kind of emotional that is, because I know what it was like. You were on 93.3. Yeah, it's emotional to me, too. They killed the station that we built. Okay, well, it's emotional for different reasons. Yeah. It's emotional to me because we fought the signal problem since the day I arrived in 90, yeah. December 94. Brutal. We could never raise the signal. You could never really get it well, in certain there's areas. There's one in Denver. It's 950. It'll conflict with it. Yeah, All these cockroaches. Well, I think we killed some. We tried to up the wattage. We killed somebody on like Vashon Island. <laughs> that is like, the, like the tower killed. Some, I don't know. I don't oh, jeez. No, I don't know. Okay. But, but there was this like FCC thing that would not allow... KJR. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, you went to FM. You went to that 102. Now, 
We went to 93.3. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, after all these years, you can actually listen to a strong signal of sports station, which we fought for years. 50,000 watt blowtorch. So I knew that they changed. I just love how they pounce. It's my favorite thing on earth. People on Twitter, they love it. I knew that they changed. <laughs> I, I talked about it. Mr. Know-it-all doesn't I know just where decide, the station is. My, my, my son sends a text. Can somebody bring me the form that's on the kitchen counter? Parental, uh, parental signature. Can yeah. you bring it to me before 9 o'clock or 9.30 in the morning. So I jump out, I grab it, I sign it, I get in the car, and I'm like, I'm going to listen to KJR. I haven't listened to KJR in forever. And I put on 9.50, Yeah. and I'm hearing, like, Doug Gottlieb, and I'm like, why are they running syndicated? I had no idea. I was like, is somebody on vacation? Have they decided to do this now? That would be really sad to me as a live and local guy, sure, yeah. as the guy that manned those hours for a long time, yeah. that they're running Doug Gottlieb in the morning. So I wrote, I wrote, and I put a picture of my 950. Yeah, and I, I, saw, I was like, sure. dude. They can't, they love it. They can't resist, can they? Oh, boy. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and then I immediately apologized yeah, and sent another did. picture of 93.3. And I said, I forgot. Can't somebody f- no. forget something you, every once no, in a while? Not, no. on, not on Twitter. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to be I wrong. I forgot. I hadn't listened to the station in forever. I had forgotten. People just were so fast. Hey, dude, don't you know? They just they in can't fact, resist. In fact, I'm going to say. <laughs> I love it. That I never have listened to it. on. That may have been the first time I'd ever listened to it on 93.3. Since go. they changed. And I got to tell you, it's a little freaky listening to those guys on FM. Well, I'll go one further. I would. Mm, you I haven't listened yet. Well, no, I would say you've probably never listened to 93.3 ever. Forget now. I mean, <laughs> I would go one no. step further and say you've, yeah, you're probably not even have. on your presets. No, no. Presets? <laughs> you know how to do those? No. I don't have anybody on my presets. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't know from 93.3. And it was weird because Chuck and Buck were on. Yeah. And I don't know Buck at all. He kind of replaced me. But Chuck has been there forever. Well, not forever, but he's been there for quite a few years. When I was working, he was doing the midday show. Okay. And I heard Chuck's voice. I was like, is that him? Hmm. Sounds different on and FM? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, we're not Scott Soden and Rob That's Tepper true, and yeah. Terry Free. That's right. That's, <laughs> I remember we're not, we're not uh, <laughs> what's my buddy's name? The guy that. Uh, your buddy? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, Powers? No. no, no. Your guy who did traffic and weather. Oh, Kilbreath. Kilbreath. Oh, yeah. You're we're not Kilbreath. We don't no. have the dulcet tones of Stephen Kilbreath. You do not. You remember when KJR first went to that FM Cockamamie 1039? Yeah, or, I remember. I was very... 1029. Yes, 1029. And you, me, and Gas were doing a show from, I think, U-Dub. You would what come, kind of me and Gas? Well... It wasn't you. If, <laughs> if you weren't into humor, then yeah, it was you and Gas. But then if you needed something funny, I would jump okay. in once in a while. All right, funny guy. And uh, The I, only guy who can be funny is Hot Shots. That's right. And I remember Gas saying, oh, you know, I have it. a lot of experience. I'm, I'm probably the one with the most FM experience around here, you know. And, working and what did I say? I never had FM experience. Yeah, but you looked at me and you were like, well, what about that guy that was on for 10 years? <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah. Gas is like, I'm oh, yeah. I'm surprised I was <laughs> quick enough to come up with that. I forgot about the guy that's been sitting next to me oh, for two God. years. Yeah. He did do 10 years okay. on FM. So I apologize. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Hilarious. I just love that people can't And, and by the way, when you've been doing something for 25 years yeah. and there's a change, it's not that no, you'll probably it's do not it that crazy. Times. Yeah, right. Okay. You'll keep doing okay. it. Of no, course. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> you won't. No. If you do, don't no. tweet about it. God for God's almighty. Sakes. I know. 
It's just God, I just got a hammer. And these are the people anyway. that f- choose to follow you. They, Come on. They like you. Come on. We got to start with Stump All the right, Band. It's go. a Sorry. tradition unlike any other. I've got two. Oh, wow. I got two Stump the Band questions for you to start the show. And they're both going to be sort of like current. It's not going to be just some random. That. Okay, all right. Robbie Ray. We'll start with the baseball trivia. Great. How many teams and who have not lost a single season? Sorry. How many teams and who have not lost a single series this baseball season? Ugh. Have not lost a single series yeah. this baseball season. How many teams can say that and who are they? Well, and please don't pick the Seattle Mariners. No, They're know, under 500. Yeah, that would be better. worse than me putting on 950. Okay? <laughs> I know, but they go in, they went two out of three in New York. Yeah, they did. And I thought too shabby. No. Uh, I'm going to say zero teams have won or have not lost a series so far this season. That would be correct because the New York Mets were the last team. Oh, wow. As of Sunday. Okay. They had not lost a series. Well, guess what? Yeah. In your face. By one run. They've lost a series. Yep. My next stump the band question is, you'll never get this right, and it's not really intended for you or anybody else to get right. No one would get this okay. right. I don't think. Um... I can't give you a category because it'll give the answer away. But what do the following four people have in common? Oh, okay. Matt Castle. Okay. Chris Drury. Okay. You probably don't know who that is because I don't familiar. really I don't really know who it is. Brian Sipe. Yeah. You remember him. Quarterback, yeah. And Pierre Turgeon. What do those four gentlemen have in common? Da, da. Are they all football players? I don't recognize no. the last. Okay. Chris Drury is an NHL Hall of Famer. Okay. Um, Brian Sipe is a quarterback. Yeah, Matt Castle is a quarterback. Course. And Pierre Turgeon is a former NHL All-Star player. But what do those four people oh. have in common? I'm asking for a reason. It's my way of promoting episode 191, which has begun with me getting criticized for not knowing <laughs> that KJR is at 93.3. Oh, man. I don't even know where to start. All four of those you guys. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Okay. I mean, Castle, what did he do? They all played in the Little League World Series and then went on to professional careers in other sports. There are, there are a ton. Like, if I included all the baseball major leaguers sure. who played in the Little League, it would be there'd be 20 or 25 of them. Yeah. I gave you the four guys, Castle, Drury, Sipe, Turgeon. Castle, quarterback, Sipe, quarterback, Turgeon, Drury, NHL players. All four of them played in the Little League World Series. Okay. Castle, 94 Northridge, lost to Venezuela. Drury played on the 89 Trumbull, Connecticut. Oh, I remember that team. Brian Brian Sipe played on the El Cajon, California, 1961 champion. And Pierre Turgeon played on a Quebec team in 1982 that went to the Little League. Four wow, guys, that's cool. different sports. Now you're wondering, why the hell would he ask me that? The Little League World Series is not going on right now. No, not for a while, yeah. You won't Certainly, watch- Brian Sipe hasn't been in the news for a while. Old Babyface Sipe. <laughs> right. Remember Babyface Sipe? <laughs> yeah, why getting- would I be asking that question? I don't know. Because one of our guests on this episode yes. is a guy named Austin Hurt. Okay. Now, you wouldn't know that name, yeah. but when I tell you a story, you're going to giggle because it's a good story. Okay. In 2001... He played on the Bainbridge Island Little League All-Star team that went all the way to the Little League World Series. 
They were ousted by a Bronx team led by Danny oh, Almonte. I remember that. Do you like remember that? Yesterday, yes. Okay. That's his, tw- it's 21 years ago. With his mustache? Danny Almonte. <laughs> the 12-year-old with the mustache. Find out on, you're going to find out on 191 <laughs> and his girls. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I bring Austin Hurt up. Yeah. Because Austin Hurt was 12 years old in 2001. He was the starting catcher on the Bainbridge Island All-Star team that went all the way to the Little League World Series and lost to the Bronx. Okay. Two weeks ago, Austin Hurt, when he... Okay, let me backtrack. When he came back from the Little League World Series and everybody went off to their their high school teams and their AAU teams to continue on their baseball careers, he quit cold turkey. He said, I'm done. I'm burned out. I'm done. I'm not playing baseball anymore. Wow. He picked up golf and he's playing in the PGA Championship. This coming weekend. Wow. Really? Bain- he just quit and said, I'm out? I'm out. You'll hear him tell the yeah. story, but as he as it goes, when it was time to go to the next level and he wasn't playing with his buddies that he had been playing with, he yeah. was like, this is not fun anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, so he stopped. There's that. He took up golf. That's when he took up golf at age 12. And two weeks ago, he qualified to play in the major this week, the PGA Championship. Unreal. So that's why I ask you that trivia question. Here's a guy who played in the Little League World Series from Bainbridge Island. Is yeah. playing in a major championship <laughs> golf. He's the assistant pro at Wing at Wing Point okay. in uh, in Bainbridge Island. Still makes his home here. Amazing. Teaches was at one point I think the Bainbridge High School golf coach. But he's been playing like competitively and small. He went to Wazoo, played in the Pac-12, had some success. Has played in like little tours, mini tours, little professional tournaments in and around here. And all of a sudden. He popped and he's playing. He's going to be playing right next to Tiger Woods at the PGA Championship, but not next to Phil Mickelson. You think about <clears throat> what may translate from baseball, and I guess you're swinging a stick in hockey. I guess. You know, you got to have the hand eye coordination, I guess. In golf, you're swinging a club to hit something. I guess it sort of translates a bit. Football quarterback? You got an arm. It probably had strong arms as kids, and they continued those strong arms into the NFL. That's amazing. Great story. I think it's amazing. I mean, to be that good, to be good enough to play in the PGA, it's one thing to be an exceptional golfer. Yeah. I mean, you watch Tony Romo. I mean, you follow the news. You don't watch golf a lot, but you know that Tony Romo thinks of himself as a good golfer, and you know that John Smoltz has tried for the U.S. Open, and Rick Roden used to... Okay, there's those guys, and then there are these guys. Right, just a different Those level. guys are not playing in the Masters of the PGA. <laughs> Tony Romo right. is trying to play in the U.S. Open, n- never qualified. I mean, this guy is, I mean, he could be playing in the PGA Championship. Now, he may not make the cut. His goal is, you're going to hear him, and you're going to, you in particular are going to love the story. I start off with the Danny Almonte story. Yeah, yeah. The guy comes in with girls. He's oh, got a mustache. Good got a girl on both arms. We're all, everybody else is around there going, oh, they, 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 where do you hear how, how he portrays that game before they even started that game? They're like little kids. Yeah. I mean, they're like, you know, yeah, 12 was, and 13 is like a little kid. Yeah. And you got this Danny Almonte. Well, he was 14. He was only 14. Well, that's different than 12. Yeah. Right? Not I mean, puberty, during that yeah. time, it could be. Yeah. Be a lot of range. So one of the guests on this show is Austin Hurt. He's nice. going to tell the story of playing in the Little League World Series, getting off the plane, quitting baseball, and now his journey to a, a major championship this week at Southern Hills. You're there jealous you of him playing in the in the PGA no, Championship. Well, I'm jealous of him going to the Little League World Series. <laughs> I mean, how cool. Like, imagine what that would have. And now with the ESPN, I don't know, it was, it was on ESPN, but now they're all on ESPN. Like, the regionals are on Yeah. ESPN Plus. You can watch every game now. There's so much from that interview that I kind of want to talk to you about, but I don't want to give it away. Yeah. 
But there, okay. he, he tells the story of how a number of the teams from all over the country and the world got to Williamsport earlier than the Bronx team. The Bronx team was the last team to qualify. Their game was late, the latest game. Everybody was already in Williamsport, and then that region's final between the Bronx and so-and-so was on ESPN while all the kids were at the, they, you know, they set up a room yeah. where you have uh, video games and sure. ping pong tables. In Williamsport, they really, they really wine and dine the kids. Yeah. And apparently, Danny Almonte was pitching on the screen for the Bronx and everything stopped and they were all looking all these kids faces from all over the world and all looking at each other in different <laughs> languages saying we got no cheers right. he threw a perfect game in that game sure he did and they're all looking at each other like yeah second place will be awesome we don't want to face him <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> oh man that's amazing no, you, you know that if Piper makes it to the Little League World Series this is her yes. last year she can do it you know she's playing Little League again so this is oh, her. This I is, thought there's only one year you can do it. Twelve, right? Well, twelve guess, and third. It's 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 ten oh, to twelve technically. Okay. So her baseball age is twelve, yeah. but her all star team could be good. So if they make it to Little I'll League, go. The, it's in North Carolina. Oh, it's only in North Carolina. It's not Williamsport. No, there's a North Carolina. It was in Portland forever, and then they moved it to North Carolina. I'll go. No, you won't. They might go. They're they're pretty good. I won't go. You won't go. So please don't I say might, that. I might go. In North Carolina? Who's going to do the podcast? <laughs> We're both I'll in North from, Carolina. We'll do it from North Carolina. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> that would be fun, though. That would be just a blast. Did you play at that that age? The, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. But I wasn't good enough. No, I wasn't good enough. So I got cut from the All-Star team. You did. I tried out, got yeah, cut. Yeah. And then they went on to go 0-2, and, and I loved it. I was like, ha-ha, 0-2, done. My oldest brother played on the all-star team from our area. And I think they went to the, did they go to the Southeast championship game? Wow. That's big. They either went to the Southeast championship game or they went to the Florida state champ. They made it all the way. Mm. Uh, and they lost by a run or two, I think in a, in a big game. It's a lot of wins. It's a long summer. It's a long it's journey. Incredible for those long teams journey. that do it. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. I gave you my stump the band questions, which, uh, which leads us to who's going to be on the show. Episode. Oh, by the way, I haven't even said that Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcasts. But it's too late to say it. Yeah, now. I can't say it. Now. Please, please, please. No one's rating and reviewing us. Oh, they've stopped. Not yet. Completely okay. stopped. We may have to shut down the podcast. No, <laughs> not one person will take the time on Apple Podcast to share a rating and review. I ask every single you Monday do. morning. Every single I ask, and you read them. Ten seconds, and I read them. Yeah. Notice I haven't been reading them. <laughs> yeah, I have noticed. <laughs> There's none to read. Right. Come on, people. Uh, here's a, uh, by the way, $5 a month for Mitch Unfiltered patrons. If you like access to all the bonus shows, if you if you can't swing the $5 a month, just let me know, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Mitch, comma, or, or if you want to write me yeah, just to say hello or respond to the show or tell us what you think, Take your shots. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Our family are longtime listeners since 1996. Whoa, that is a longtime listener. They were listening on 950. At that time, our son Alex St. George was four, and he grew up listening to you on the radio with us each day at four years old. The past three years, his mom and I have been paying his subscription to your podcast for him as a birthday present. It's nice. He was an early adopter to your podcast and has always really enjoyed your show as we do. The Monday, May 16th episode is his 30th birthday. So he's been listening since four and he's yeah. now 30. Thanks. <laughs> By the way, I know. What did he say? He was four in 96? 96? I remember I already had a full on drinking problem at 96. Well, I he mean, wasn't four in 96. Or born in 96. 
Well, he couldn't have been four, and that would make him 26. But anyway, anyway okay. I don't know. Probably born, what do yeah, I know? Yeah. Uh, who needs math? Uh, Monday, May 16th is his 30th birthday. We know he'll be listening, and we know he would love a shout-out for his birthday. His mom and dad and wife and two kids and two sisters love him very much. Cheers, Todd. So happy birthday to Alex St. George, who's been listening to us since he was four. Two kids. Happy 30th birthday, you son of a bitch. We're, we're doing shout outs now? What is it? We are a 93.3 now all of a sudden. Well, I figure if no one wants to rate and review us, we'll just do what the hell we please. All right, shout out. Hey, Mitch guess. was wondering if Scott plans to continuing doing the music show. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm a satisfied patron, but I've missed if you guys have discussed why this has stopped. I've listened to parts of every one. Really enjoyed them. Well, if you li- if you really enjoyed them, why'd you only listen to parts of yeah, everyone? Parts. Signed John. John the patron wants to know. Are music shows a thing of the past from uh, from Hot Shots? I wouldn't call them a thing of the past, but, you know, I did start a new job, and it's essentially a startup. Yeah. And we're hanging on, Yeah, and I, I kind of need this to work, not to get serious for a second here, but I don't have a plan B if this doesn't work. So, so what you're saying is that you're not going to be able to afford to go to the Little League World Series if your daughter makes it, so I'll go instead of you. I'll be dad. Yes, that would be great. And they're all on ESPN. I don't want to go. I want to sit and watch them on, on TV. Are they really on ESPN? I'm telling you, everything's even the regionals are on ESPN Plus. And they really have a chance? Well, yes, they have a chance. It's, it's less far-fetched than you might think, and this might be kind of boring, but in the past, the boys do this now, but in the past, if you won the state of Washington, right, you win districts, <laughs> they'll win districts, I think. And then if you win state, well, you had to go to the West Regional, right? Yeah, like San Bernardino. It's in San Bernardino again, oh, except about for... Me? Ex- I know San Bernardino, but I don't know 93.3. Right. <laughs> Except for there is no West region anymore, yeah. or at least Washington doesn't have to play in it. Oh. Washington plays in something called the Northwest region. Oh. Alaska, Montana. Suck. suck. Idaho. Suck. What kind of 12-year-old girls are they out there? <laughs> Wyoming and Oregon. So you don't have to play either of the Californias. No Nevada, no Arizona. Last year, Nevada and Arizona went for softball, of course, where they play year-round. They're always good. So it's less far-fetched. That's not a prediction. I'm just saying if they were gonna ever going to do it, it wow. would be this year. It'd be pretty amazing. Wow. And then I can, the only spec I have is the team Redmond who beat Issaquah last year in the yeah. district championship. Yeah. They went to regionals and were one win away from the World Series. So I don't know. I, well, there's, there's your softball. Chance. There's your 13-year-old so- or 12-year-old <laughs> softball update. That's right. <laughs> local softball update. And we wonder why we're not getting ratings and reviews. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> A guest, Jason Churchill. He's a popular, sometimes polarizing Mariners voice. I didn't know he was polarizing until he came on the show, but apparently he is. Okay. He's back. Prospectinsider.com, a podcast called Baseball Things. He'll join us to talk about the Mariners' recent slide and then good series win against the Mets. Austin Hurd, I told you the story. Bainbridge, Little League All Star, 2001 playing in the PGA Championship this week with the big boys, and Jim Meehan, spokesman review in Spokane. I'm interested in what Mark Few and the Zags are doing these days because they may be getting ready to lose four or five guys that are going early oh. to the NBA and the professional bit. We don't know yet, but I'm, I'm, interesting on, I'm interested on how Mark Few is going to arrange all of us to say in October – this may be the best team that Gonzaga's ever had. <laughs> we love saying that, don't we? <laughs> For some reason, every oh, this might be the best, every year. And then there's the meme of Adam Morrison crying oh, against you. Love that. Love it. Yeah. But I once asked you if you think he'll ever be on the hot seat or him. Who, Adam Morrison? Yes, Adam Morrison. And you just said there's no, no. way Mark Few will ever be on Not the hot seat. Not on the hot seat. seat. No. Really? The, the, the better question 
is, and I may, and I've been laughed at at this either. Will anybody start even just asking the question? Hey, how come he can't win the big one? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. That's when you say hot seat. I mean, like in jeopardy of losing his job. Yeah, never, ever, ever will that happen. Because every literally year, impossibility okay. would Mark Few would ever be in jeopardy of Gonzaga's athletic director calling him into the office and saying, "You're fired." Never, ever will that happen. Because every year, if people say it's the best team they've ever had, and it's then still the greatest, and I hate the guy, it's the greatest job building a program right. in the history of college basketball. Like the Duke, the Shashevsky building of Duke is not as good as this. Wow. That's saying this something. is number one. This is the greatest job yeah. anybody's ever done with a program. It's Spokane, Washington. Yeah. I mean, you would say, well, it's Durham, North Carolina. Well, at least it's North Carolina, close to Florida and New York and Philadelphia yeah. and East Coast. This is Spokane, Washington. <laughs> He's getting the number one player in the country. He's got like the top recruiting class every year coming to Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Think about that for a second. But hasn't that sort of worn off a little bit with Zag fans? Yeah, like yes. it was cute at first again, in 98. Again. Or, but yeah. but you're asking, will he ever be on the hot seat? Right, and if fans keep getting irritated, is there going to be any pressure? Never, okay. ever, All right, I'm ever. I'm not ever, rooting for it. I don't really ever. care. I'm just asking. I wish I was wrong and they fire him tomorrow. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> All right, so did I do the three guests or did I not? Yes, I did. You did. Okay. Hot Shot episode 191 just doesn't happen without our partners like Zeke's Pizza. A new location in Mill Creek now open on Main Street. A new location in White Center now open on 16th Avenue Southwest. Northwest style pizza, the best craft beer selection, and to your door in no time, if you please, with the Zeke's Pizza app, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, South Lake Union celebrating a brand new lease and a renovated deck right on the water's edge. Father's Day is around the corner. Don't make him grill. Throw a Daniel's Prime Steak at him, a world-class steakhouse. Fireside Home Solutions. Without Fireside's incredible support, these pools and contests for listeners don't happen. The PGA Championship pool now is up and running at MitchUnfiltered.com. 500 bucks to the winner. Top 20 paid off. Begin your search for fireplaces and garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage is navigating these rising interest rates with a deft touch. Still some great programs out there for new home buyers and refi candidates. Seven minutes is all you need. With the lead man, Jordan Flowers, 425-890-2957. Again, 425-890-2957, his personal cell. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Episode 191. You thought it started? It hasn't. It begins officially right now. Unfiltered. Whatever happened to the days that you could hand the ball to a guy and take the ball back from him to start the eighth? Unfiltered. And then you watch a guy like Ty France. Doesn't he say, it? why are people having so much trouble hitting you? He must ask himself, why am I the only guy who can, you know, swing a bat on this team? Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 191 is now officially underway. It'd be nice if he did a couple things. A, 
entered our PGA Championship pool mm-hmm. presented by Fireside Home Solutions. It's free and you can win 500 bucks. And B, maybe leave a rating and review. Yeah. You could even put on there, I'm doing this because Mitch begged us to. Yes. I don't... <laughs> Um, anyway, 191. To, but... Should I get right into it, or do you have anything for me today? Well, I just want to tell you about a ticket I got in Federal Way, and I am none too you pleased. You got a ticket? First of all, what are you doing in Federal Way? Softball. Why would anyone go to Federal Way? <laughs> I yes. like the commons there. For softball. I go there for dinner every once in a while. Oh, do you? No. All right, good for you. Yeah, I don't either. No one does. I mean, okay. There's a Mongolian grill over there I was at once. Federal Way has everything. I mean, if do they? fast food, whatever you need. They, Fetty. They... Fetty Way? Federal Waste? Yeah. There's a reason people call it Federal Jeez. Waste. Sorry if you live there. So now we're going to now... We're shit gonna, on Federal Way for yes, a little while. Yeah. Because we, we we couldn't use any more listeners in Federal Way. Yeah. There's one guy in Federal Way that literally was going to rate us and review us as he was listening to this. <laughs> and now he's like, no, now I'm not going to do he's it. He's not proud of his town. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. I, I've, I'm sure that they're with me because Federal Way is known to have a lot of traffic cams. In fact, it was a big deal when they first put them in. A lot, Half of the people who live there were like, this is bullcrap. Stop it. And the other half was like, well, it could be good for to slow people down in school. You know, yeah. so I'm sure this one person who's listening is with me. Those traffic cams are such bullshit. It was eight, like eight o'clock in the morning. I'm taking a free right. There's nobody coming. I know how to drive a, safely. What do you mean a free it was right? A red light. So, you know, when it's red, you can if you check and then you can go right yeah. on red. I never knew it was called a free right. Yeah, it's free. You don't have to wait for green. You don't have to pay. You don't have to pay it. Well, I do. <laughs> how much? <laughs> Most people don't. How much? That'd be $139. Oh, boy. So they now send you a little link so you can watch the video. And I was like, oh, that's bullshit. I know I stopped. I'm sure I stopped. No, you, you so knew you, you did I watched the video. You excelled. <laughs> Dead to rights. <laughs> Here's my check, you a-holes. Stop badgering taxpayers for this kind of crap, though. It really bothers me. It's so annoying. They make like $4 million a year off these cockamamie Well, cameras. I'll have you know that Max Levy in the uh, Renton Landing area familiar not soon after probably he was 16 17 he's probably 17 he picked up a rolling stop at a red light on a camera he did yeah, yeah. he said dad i'm gonna fight this oh i said have you seen the video <laughs> he said dad i want to fight this yeah <laughs> so he wrote that he had to go to the bathroom oh it worked i think he wrote that wait it worked i mean it went down to it, zero no i don't think I think you can reduce the fine. You should fight the fine. It's so Come up insane. with a cockamamie excuse. They're not listening. And if they are listening, they're not rating and reviewing us. So uh, just fight the fine. What is it, 139? You could definitely get that down to 75. Say, hey. Do I have to go somewhere? I don't want to go anywhere. And like fight it. was 8 it and... o'clock. And... No, 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 no. You write a little you no. Write a le- oh, okay. To whom it may concern. Now I have an errand. Okay, great. Can't wait for I this. I think he used it as an essay in one of his language arts classes. <laughs> God. It's just like they hide behind the name of safety. I, this turn couldn't have been safer. If you watch the video, it's not like I pulled out and somebody had to slam Hot on their shot. brakes. You have to stop. Okay. Do you though? Yes. Legally, you do. You have no standing in this courtroom. You have to stop. It's as close as you could get to a stop. No. I mean, I come, I'm crawling. Well, you said dead to rights very well, strong. Well, because I didn't stop. So you can't say I stopped, but it's very, very close. Well, maybe it's close enough to get it down to about $78. Why do they do that? I'm never going. I'm not going to spend another dime in federal way. You watch me. I'm a hard ass that way. It's not just federal way that's got these cameras. Well, no one's given me a ticket yet. These guys have. So now I'm out. It doesn't count against your, it doesn't count points on your license. That's beside the point. Stop bothering people. Hot shot. The NFL schedules are out. Have you, have you seen this? It's a big thing when the NFL schedules come out. Used to be so much fun 
when the Seattle Seahawks schedule was announced. Now, as we've pointed out on this show and many others, we knew who the opponents were going to be. Yeah. We knew who they were playing at home, nine games at home this year, eight games on the road. We just didn't know the order and what networks and all that Dates good and all stuff. That, yeah. yeah. Used to be so much fun. And I realized it's not fun any longer. What happened? It's just not fun when your team's not supposed to be any good. Oh, God. Gotcha. Not fun. <laughs> I used to sit with that thing yeah. and go, win. Win, win, win. Right. Loss. Win, loss. <laughs> win, 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 win. Loss, loss. Win, loss, win. Okay, 12 and four. <laughs> Done. Let's go. <laughs> Cancel the season. Right. And I used to go into the station and into the show yeah. and do like 30 minutes on that and realize... They should be firing me at the end of this show. That's how boring this is. But it used to be fun to do that. Yeah. I started to do that on Thursday when the, I was like, I got like three, I got two games into when I stopped for a lot of reasons. Okay. Well, first of all, when you've got no quarterback. Yeah, that's that's the tough part. So so here's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do I don't I don't care that they're not gonna be good. I'm gonna do the win. I'm gonna do the win, loss, 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 win, win, see what they're gonna come yeah. out. And I start with the Broncos at home. Yeah, we'll get back that. to that game. Yeah, and then they're, the, they're at the Niners, lost. Yeah, and then they're home against the Falcons, and I don't know. And then they're at the Lions. I don't. I don't know. Right. And we, then they're at the Saints. But by the I, way, I, I I don't know. When you have to say I don't know about going to the Lions, <laughs> yes, not a good year. That's when I quit. I quit after four games. <laughs> right. I, I didn't even get four games into it. <laughs> the funny thing is, well, it's not so funny. You're gonna accuse me of depressing. I found a Las Vegas odds maker who did a story on what he would make the odds of every game in the entire season for every team if they were being played under the current condition of your roster. So we don't know what's going to happen. Okay, yeah. you understand yeah, that, yeah. right? So I went to the Seahawks and I was like, okay, I want to see how many games, if they started tomorrow, right. the Seahawks would be favored to win. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, no. I shouldn't have done that. Wow. I'm a season ticket holder. I just got a bill for uh, $4,000, more than $4,000, yeah. I think. Yeah. Nice. Um, Feel like writing that check? You, you want to you do this? You want to do this routine? Yeah. Uh, they are, we already know, they are five-point underdogs against the Broncos at home on Monday night, September the 12th. Okay. They're eight, they, would, they would be... Eight and a half point underdogs against the 49ers in week two. Eight and a half. Yes. Uh, four and a half point favorites against the Falcons in week three. All right. Okay. One and a half point underdogs against oh, the Lions no. in week four. <laughs> God. Five point underdogs against the Saints in week five. Five point underdogs against Arizona here. Oh. Five point underdogs here against Arizona in week six. So that's about nine on a neutral side. In a bowl game, they'd be... It'd be nine, right? Well, at their place, it'd be 10. Yeah. It's coming up. Um, Seattle at the LA Chargers were nine and a half point underdogs. The Giants here, a half point favorite. Over the Giants. Here. Jeez. Arizona, nine at home against Seattle. Tampa Bay in Germany, 12 against Seattle. Then the bye week. Vegas here. What are the odds on the bye week? Do we win that? Ve or no? Vegas here. Yeah. A four point favorite. Vegas. Yeah. Um, Seattle at the Rams, 11 point underdogs. Jeez. Seattle here against Carolina, 
two and a half point favorites. All right. Uh, San Francisco here, six point underdogs. Kansas City on the road. Oh, that's no good. 11 and a half point oh, underdogs. No. The Jets here. Oh, boy. Don't One point me. favorite. Okay, good. <laughs> Whew. Whew. Let's go. And the Ram- and finishing the season, the Rams here, oh. seven and a half point underdogs. As of today, if all these games, out of 17 games, they would be favored in four. They are supposed to lose 13 <sighs> out of 17 games, ladies and gentlemen. And some of those were pretty sizable. Eight and a half, nine. Elevens. There was an 11. Couple eleven and Couple a half, of, twelve. I mean, you could probably tell me during a regular NFL season, how many lines is there an eleven point favorite? Oh, they, they are every week. There's an eleven point favorite. Like nowadays. one nowadays with all the scoring, okay. the high scoring games, kind of generates. There's probably one. Yeah, probably one or two. Because when one, I see over one. seven, like seven and a half or higher, to me that feels like hot shot, a beating. You know, we all walk around knowing that they're not going to be very good. Yeah, and then you read this, yeah, and you're like. They're supposed to be a shit sandwich. I mean, like terrible. Right. Like, like in the mix for the for the number one pick in the draft. We're gonna be instead of Mr. Playoffs, you're gonna be doing Mr. Draft. How do they get the number? <laughs> right. Let's start looking to see who and the people, best player and is. And people want to know. Oh my God, they're only on national television. They're only on prime time twice. What? Yeah, you should be on negative <laughs> twice. Right. The only reason you're on the one time is because of Russell. That's the only Russell reason. Russell Wilson. <laughs> Game one, the NFL said, Unreal. NFL VP of broadcasting, Ani Bose, said the decision just felt right to put that game in week number one. <sighs> the selection, he says, was motivated by the fact that ESPN and ABC will simulcast the game. Interesting. Bose also pointed to the ESPN2 Manning cast of the game. Translation, Mitch translation, we got to get this game on before the Seahawks are out of it in week four. That's right. And they're 0-3. We, we, we don't I think want... you're right, yeah. And, and we got to get this... And, and by the way, the Broncos may not be any good either. We don't know. They'll probably be okay with Russell Wilson. Sure. But he could get hurt. Could you imagine if they put this thing in week six and the Seahawks are... One and four, and the Broncos <laughs> have lost Russell Wilson right. for a couple weeks, and then who's watching that game yeah. at that point? Flex. <laughs> no such thing as flex on Monday Night Football. Okay. So I think it was a brilliant move. Brilliant for move sure. week to put one, it on yeah. week. Put it on week one. No one knows anything. The Seahawks might win the Super right. Bowl. We have no clue. Right. But you, going into it every year, you always think you has the chance your team could be good, except for this year, of course. It reminds me of that one of the greatest signs I ever saw for at a, at a Cubs game. It was before they had ever won a World Series, or yeah, at least the recent yeah, one. Yeah, it was it was opening day in at Wrigley Stadium, and a guy had a sign that said "Wait till next year." <laughs> I don't know why I just made well, you laugh. David Letterman used, opening day. David Letterman used to come out. It was like a gag every year yeah. on opening day. He'd say, "Hey, it's it's opening day in Major League Baseball, and the Cleveland Indians have been mathematically eliminated." <laughs> Funny, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, so now the question that everybody's talking about this week, I'd like to hear your voice, not only on what you think will happen, what you would do, which you won't have to do it because you're not going to be at the game. What kind of reaction yeah. is number three going to get of the Denver Broncos? The shame of it all, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful manner to him. I'm not saying, hey, I'd like to hear booze, but the shame of it all is like in baseball. Alex Rodriguez is announced to the crowd when he comes to the plate. Every time Alex Rodriguez, now batting for the Texas Rangers, number three, Alex Rodriguez, right? Yep. Um, when, you know, Gary Payton comes back in the NBA, at the beginning of the game, both starting fives are introduced to the crowd. Yeah. There will be no, at no point, will Russell Wilson be, ladies and gentlemen, number three, because they used to do that in football. I used yeah. to love that, by the way. Yeah. 
But now the opposing team doesn't get announced at all. They just run out because they used to have one, an offense and a defense or a defense and offense. Yeah. Now they just said, to hell with this. Why are we introducing them? Why are we just encouraging booze? Right. It's not the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl makes sense oh, it's because it's a neutral. Teams. Yeah, it's yeah, fans yeah. of both teams. So on Monday night, September 12th, Russell Wilson is never going to be formally introduced. So I don't know what the answer, how we get the answer. Is it? When he runs out an hour and a half before the game. Yeah, but the teams get booed anyways. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be hard. How are we going to really know the answer to this question? How do we isolate our boos on just him? Tell us, somebody. How do we but do what, it? But what, what do you think the reaction would? If he were, let's say, now, and the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, number three, Russell Wilson, yeah. what would it be like? Oh, I think it's going to be 85% boos. I, again, it doesn't mean you hate Russell Wilson if you boo him. I think people want to Did people beat boo him. Ken Griffey Jr.? Did people boo? Did he come back? I don't remember him. Randy back Johnson. Or... Randy Johnson, by the way. No, I may be wrong about that. No, I think I'm right about this. I think Randy Johnson may have started the second game or third game ever at the new Safeco Field, if I'm not mistaken. I think I was there for that. Really? Somebody may correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I think Arizona was here for that first series. As and... great as Randy was, he's probably my favorite baseball player of all time. Nobody booed him. I love Randy. This just feels different for some reason. Randy forced his way out. Yeah, Griffey did too. Randy, so did Griffey. <laughs> Randy tanked it on purpose. He well, had a four and a half ERA. He had a bad back here and then had a, a zero point like 980 ERA yeah. in Houston after they traded. Him. Four more Cy Youngs or something after yeah. that. Yeah. But why? Russell Wilson brought the only, well, he didn't bring it, but I he, think, you think it's 75% yeah. boo? Yes. And I think people want to beat his ass. But again, when he comes back and is retired for the Ring of Honor, It'll be the loudest ovation any player's ever had. But for then now, why not cheer him? But for now, why not? Because it's team, it's it's team against team. It's tribalism. Like, oh no, you left this to go there. Well, now we're going to boo as loud as we can. But I just mentioned all these other players that did the this same. Feels thing. different. I don't why? know why it feels different. It just feels like he kind of bitched his way bullied out, bullied his way of, out. Yeah, a little bit. It does. So did Ken Griffey Jr. There's a statue. Totally. There's a statue of him out front. So people clearly <laughs> forgot about that, right? You know, they, well, they yeah, forgive. But him. you're saying they'll forget when the career is up. When the career is up. And, and by the way, make no mistake about it. You just brought something else into the mix that I think is completely different. You said you're going to root or people are going to root for him to get his ass kicked. Yeah. Oh, that is a one. Even the guy who stands up and cheers because he's appreciative of what Russell Wilson has meant to Seattle. Yeah. Even that guy is going to then sit down and hope he gets his freaking ass kicked. Yeah, we don't hope he gets hurt, of course. Not we, hurt. We hope they win 50 nothing I mean, over the Broncos. We've been watching Russell Wilson get sacked seven times a game yeah. for 12, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. He better get sacked another seven or eight times. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I want to see I want to see somebody come from the blind side and force a, a knock his ass down, of yeah. course. I want to see him throw a pick. I want to see him try to do what he used to be able to do that he can't really do much anymore. I, I'd like to see him do that. <laughs> yeah. The Fran Tarkington thing. Yeah. And have somebody chase him down. Daryl Taylor face him down. But that's not what I'm asking. But it's, at a football game, it just feels different. Like, what? explain to me why somebody would, would cheer for anyone on the opposing team just because he used to play on your team. It feels like it just almost feels wrong to cheer for another yeah. for somebody on the other team. I just don't see it at a football game. I don't see the distinction between football and bat. Let's say you remember how loud the Coliseum was in the key arena and how excited people were? Yeah. I think they cheered Gary Payton when he came back with Milwaukee, no? Maybe. But he got I don't know. Did, yeah, that was different because he 
I don't think he had anything to He didn't force his way exactly. out. Exactly. The right. next thing you know, he's just traded. Yeah. He's just gone. Yeah. This just felt different. It felt like for the past two or three years, there was some smoke, you know, about yeah. his offensive line to go on a podcast. and So you'd boo him? Yeah, I would totally boo him. And again, I love Russell Wilson. That doesn't mean I don't love him. Do you him really and, love him, though? You don't really. Again, I'm a lifelong Seahawks fan. Have you, you won seen the, Super the video? Bowl for me, for God's sakes. Have you seen the video that the Broncos put out, the little skit? Well, I tried. I think I watched about 20 seconds of it. It was rough. It was painful. I couldn't do it. So bad. Wasn't it bad? Well, I sat down to write a tweet after I watched the first minute and a half of it. And I was like, as I was writing the tweet, I was like, people are going to say, Mitch, you're just bitter that they traded him or you're bitter that he forced his way out. When in fact, I don't really give a shit if you really want to (laughs) know. About anything, really. But, but... (laughs) I was. I actually found myself wondering to myself, am I am I putting down? The, is this not funny because I'm tired of Russell, or is this just categorically not funny? Yeah. And I don't. I, there were a couple people in my in my comments that went like, I mean, well, I got a ton of comments, hundreds, hundreds of people answered. Okay. I was like, is this just me? Yeah. Or is this just? Is there? I have concluded. Let me see if I can if I can articulate this. That Russell Wilson is the least funny human being Whoa. of people that have personality. You know, we all know people that just have no personality and like will sit in a corner and it's a, like kind of me. Um, yeah. I mean, let's throw those guys out. Of course, those guys are not funny either. I mean, the people that just have zero personality yeah. or charisma. This is a very personable guy. He loves chatting. Yeah. He's very outspoken. You know, I mean... For for just lively guys and smart, he is literally the. Is, has he ever made you laugh? Has he ever done anything? He's tried like hard, and you are you're a tough crowd because you like stand. You judge these stand up comics, and you like good comedy writing, and you and you study this stuff. Well, I once said on this here podcast that he is probably the most annoying, unfunny person. Annoying I've ever, or unfunny? Both. He's all like I can't remember. And what you it, love him. And I took shit for it. People were like, do you know what he does for the community? Okay, well, annoying is a little different. Is a little different. But story. I also said unfunny. I did say unfunny on this so, podcast. He is just not. It's he's bad. got no timing. No, it's bad. He's got no. He's got. He's not even cute. I mean, it's not even like. It's not charming. It's not charismatic. Nothing. There's nothing to it. There's just nothing. It's what? just him saying words. He's trying so hard. So are the Broncos, by the way. <laughs> they love their new toy, don't they? They can't stop. They're bringing oh. in Peyton Manning. Oh. And he's, by the way, Peyton Manning is funny. Funny. I think Peyton Manning's very Peyton funny. Money, Peyton Manning has hosted Saturday Night Live. Awesome. Funny. Yep. And, and by the way. He's been roasts, Peyton Manning. Of course. Yeah. And, and by the way, when he first came out of the NFL, out, I was like, there's not a funny bone in that guy's. I mean, he's like the, he's like the spokesperson. Remember, he was at the end of his career. He was a spokesperson for everything. Oh, yeah. You'd watch an, an NFL game and Peyton Manning, and I would say, I think on this podcast yeah. or anywhere, I'd say, you know, just not funny. And yet I was completely wrong because then he started doing literally comedy at certain places yeah. with speeches. His Hall of Fame speech was funny. Yeah. He's funny. He is. And, and Russell Wilson found a way to make Peyton Manning unfunny. <laughs> That's right. Oh, he's yeah. just, it's brutal. It or is. am I wrong about that? No, it's completely brutal. Brutal. I just don't think he's ever himself. I think he's always on guard and careful with what he says. And I don't get he, it. Yeah, and he's just afraid. You need to, him a little unleashed. A little, yeah. A little, a little unfiltered. Like the way Tom Brady sort of changed. You t- you said you noticed Tom Brady's a little 
funnier. We're going to find out. Yeah, but even without him find out. going to do games on, you know, but we've noticed a different side of him. He's he's kind of funny, Tom Brady. Kind of funny. We never thought he was when he was in New England. I watched Tom Brady in those golf things, you know, those pay-per-view things, like when he paired up with Barkley and he played against Manning and they had the mics on him. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe a little bit of humor in him. Not a lot. Not a lot. Okay. Um, but a little, a lot more than Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then I said to Danny on on, on 190p back on Wednesday, I said he's pretty funny in his social media. Tom Brady's done some social media, and Danny was like, I don't think he does his own social media. Oh. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm talking about like when he when he videos himself. He's doing that. Yeah, right. When he's doing like the selfie video and he's talking into the and he's making he's taking shots at something. Russell Wilson, God love the guy. He can't make anybody laugh. Yeah, it's bad. Do you think Sierra finds him funny? No. <laughs> of course not. No, 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 no. But she probably he doesn't think she's funny either, probably. It's probably perfect. Two unfunny people. I'll bet you she's out. funny. Really? I don't know from her. Yeah, I don't know. From and again, behind closed doors, maybe is. he's a riot. Maybe he's a laugh a minute. But he's so guarded all the time that everything he does just comes out as hokey and platitudes and just everything he says. It's a lot of Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. There for sure. Totally. Yeah. Have we ever heard Alex Rodriguez be funny? Mm-mm. I don't think I can't so. think of one. Well, he might be on the list. That'd be a fun list. Unfunny person. There's another guy who's, he's outspoken. He likes to talk. He likes to chit-chat. He's a chit-chatter. Well, he's been famous since he's 18. He's had cameras in his face for 18. A lot of guys who have been famous since they're 18 that just are like... Yeah, yeah. Like John Malkovic. The actor? Yeah. What about him? Is he funny? Could he be funny? I'll bet you he could be funny. Yeah, I think he's funny. Yeah. (laughs) I, I bet he's funny. Because wasn't there a seems movie called Inside John John Malkovich's Head or yeah, something? Or something I don't know. So, so I, I think he's mean. in on it. Yeah. By the way, you see Russell and Sierra, they can't win. They welcomed a oh hey, what's up, Missy? They welcomed a new <laughs> puppy, by the way, to their family oh. for Mother's Day. Yes. And PETA came after them, asking them to please don't buy a puppy from a breeder when you could have rescued a dog from a shelter. Oh, so yeah. Russell, yeah. Russell and Sierra, they, they just they they can't, can't win no matter they can't catch a break no matter what they do. They caught plenty of breaks. Fine, fair enough. They're, but they're doing okay for themselves. They can't even send out a picture of them they're, and their new puppy. They're, they're, they're living in a fifty thousand square foot house with one bedroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, that's funny. That, actually, that's actually funny. Okay. Keeps people away. Three interviews and then the other stuff segment. Okay, let's do it. Time for a visit from our mortgage slash football slash tournament expert. J Flow, Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J Flow? I'm doing well, Mitch. It's crazy. Diaper dandies. It's amazing. <laughs> Diaper dandies is right. Between the birth of Barrett and now the tournament, I can't imagine there's a lot of work getting done over there. Any time for refis or phone calls? <laughs> oh, there's time for refis. There's time for diaper changes. There's time for basketball. It's amazing. I'm the head coach of my son's baseball team. There's always time. <laughs> who does Barrett, who does young, how old is Barrett now? And who does Barrett have in his final four? You know, Barrett is five weeks old and he is a Duke fan. So Duke's winning it all for him. <laughs> Not for me, though. Not for me. I have UCLA winning it all. And your daughter filled out a bracket? My daughter filled out a bracket. We called it Blakely's Bracket Busters, and hers is busted already. She picked San Diego State to win it all. She's five. (laughs) All right, lots of volatility in the stock markets. What has that meant for interest rates and your side of the world? Yes, so rates have been continuing to climb here recently um, as the Fed tries to get out in front of inflation, 
hopefully and curb the long-term yield curve. So uh, right now we're seeing rates go up mid to upper threes on certain products and low fours. So overall still great time to look at buying a home, especially in this market. And also great time to still be looking at uh, refinances, both cash out, consolidating debt, and there's still people dropping interest rates or getting out of say FHA and uh, conventional loans. So still lots of loans to be had out there. Let's say I'm buying a new house, Jordan, for a million bucks. I've got a great credit history. I'm looking at a 30 year fixed. What am I doing? Putting 20% down, 200 grand down. And what's my, what's my monthly number through you guys? Yeah, pretty standard 20% down for a jumbo loan. Um, you're looking in the upper threes, we call it three, seven, five, give or take right now. We have five and 10% down options with no mortgage insurance on jumbo products too. So I would say the number you'd be looking at is somewhere around that three, seven, five range. Beautiful. And how do I call you? in between diaper changes and NCAA tournament games? Absolutely. You can reach me on the cell phone, 425-890-2957. We love J-Flow. He's a dad for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. Cross Country Mortgage, Kirkland Office, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Their patience has been at a high level for Julio to let him get his stride. He's got a teammate, Jared Kelnick, who is struggling mightily. Raleigh is just two for 33 at the plate. That adds up to a 0.61 batting average. Cal gets into this, baby. Ride, Captain Ride. Yes, sir. Cal Raleigh with a launch of a two-run shot. It's guest time for this episode 191 what to make of a Mariners team that had been sliding until the start of this road trip in New York. ProspectInsider.com, Baseball Things, the podcast. Jason Churchill, nice enough to rejoin us. I mean, I haven't offended you yet. You're still coming back (laughs) to Mitch Unfiltered. Very nice of you, Jason. Yeah, you got it. You know, if you want me to dig into something, maybe you said 25 years ago, like (laughs) we will probably get there. I mean, I think that's kind of the way time works these days. If you, if you look hard enough, you'll find something, but yeah, you know, good, good to be here. Uh, It's a fun baseball team to watch, but it's also, as you know, Mitch, you've been here a while now, you know how this town works. It's a frustrating baseball team to watch and, and it's going to be frustrating until they win something meaningful and kind of get that monkey off their back. So a long way to go there. Long way to go until anything meaningful rolls around. Mm-hmm. So between Friday's nail biter against Scherzer and then that ninth inning mess on Sunday, us Mariner fans would have been better off at the ballet over the weekend. They were this close to being swept by the New York Mets and as it is, they go off to Toronto having won the series. And I think that's the first series the Mets have lost all year, James. And Mitch, they were probably this close from sweeping the Mets. I mean, what was the Saturday score? 5-4 in that game, right? I mean, you win Friday, Saturday, you had opportunities to win the game. You didn't get blown out. It was a contest throughout. And then you, you find a way to hold on on Sunday. So, yeah, you're this close to getting swept by the Mets, but you're probably a little closer to actually sweeping the team that's been probably the best team in baseball, you know, all season so far, at least on paper, right. You know, to this point, you know, dominating the East, the headliner from Sunday, at least. And by the time people listen to this, they'll be off to Toronto and, and, and probably have played a couple of games against Toronto. But the headliner on Sunday was that Julio at age 21 was on base, not one, two, three, or four times. He was on base five times. 
Here are the numbers, and my calculations could be off, but they're probably not. Here's my Syracuse math for you. April, 205 batting average, 284 on base, 260 slugging, 544 OPS. May, 346 batting average, 393 on base, 519 slugging, 912 on base plus slugging. Right. Mean, that's pretty good. Right, right? On I mean, schedule, you can't look at right? that another way. Yeah, right on schedule, don't you think? Yeah, it is. And, and I think, you know, there's always the, the chance because Julio has the, the prospect pedigree of being one of those Vlad Guerrero Jr. types that once he takes off, that's kind of it. But in this day and age, you just with hitting so hard and now the ball is deadened on top of it, but pitching is so good. Teams are going to three and four relievers. They all throw 95 to 100 with a plus breaking ball. Uh, you never can tell when a prospect like Julio at 21 years old, by the way, he's not 23, 24, 25, 21 years old, pretty crazy. You know, when, you know, they're going to force him to make another adjustment and can he make it because that's going to happen. They're going to force him to make another adjustment in, you know, tomorrow or next week, and he's going to have to make it. And then they're going to do it again and he's going to have to make it. And it's really a constant thing throughout a hitter's career. Can he do that? Well, he's made one or two already. So that's certainly a good sign. Uh, and, and certainly this kind of a stretch isn't really we some, uh, something we really saw from Jared Kelnick in terms of hitting for average, doing the things that tell folks in the baseball industry, this is very sustainable. Like this, what Julio Rodriguez is doing right now. Yes, it is a small sample. So, to, you know, take that in stride, but he's doing the things, making a lot of contact, making a lot of hard contact taking close pitches, um, but hitting the ball very hard. And now we're up to a couple of home runs now. Um, I, I think he's learning his swing. Things are maturing a little bit and things happen really, really fast. So I wouldn't be surprised to see another, you know, another, another Valley. Yeah. But they're going to be more peaks. And, and I think he's just giving us a glimpse of what that looks like. We'll, right now. we'll come back to Kalnick at the end, but the one thing that you did not mention in a beautiful soliloquy, by the way, about, about Julio, that was great. It was awesome. All things baseball. The one thing that you didn't mention, and it's a huge difference between Rodriguez and Koenig, is the attitude. I would bet you that if you went to a therapist or a psychiatrist who loves baseball, he or she would tell you that there is this infectious, there is this attitude that Rodriguez has. Now, maybe he has it because he's new and he's only struggling for the first time when he was struggling at the beginning, and maybe it's easy for me to say, but it just seems like He's got the right personality to struggle, if that makes any kind. Of, he can get through struggles because he plays the game with such joy, as opposed to Kalnick. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the Kalnick point. We'll come back to it. But he's so hard on himself. Everybody else is hard. You could just see him grading. You know, and there's such a huge difference between those two guys in attitude. Yeah, there is. Julio's disposition. It's funny. Uh, I was telling, uh, I was telling my dad about him and I was like, dad, you remember when, you know, and my nephew's name is Carter. I was like, you remember when Carter was like three years old and we were like, what a neat disposition on this little tyke, you know, like that's kind of how I feel about Julio Rodriguez. It's so easy going, even when things kind of suck, you know, and, yeah. and, and he's struggling. He's still out there smiling. Julio Rodriguez is having fun. I think even when Jared Kelnick is, uh, performing well, there's still a lot of highs and lows during that. Like he had that four or five week stretch last year, but there were still a lot of really sharp, you know, peaks and valleys. And I think, you know, he goes three for four and he's feeling great. The next day he goes over for four and he's feeling awful when he really should be like, I just went three for eight. 
And that in baseball, right. that's pretty right. good. And, right. and it's really right. hard to do. And, you know, he's young too, 22 years old. It, it's tough, you know, having not played the game and gone through that, I can't speak to it about, you know, from a, a baseball standpoint, it's a grind you're facing the greatest in the world, but just think about how you handle things around the house. If you're frustrated about things like something didn't go right at work or something didn't go right with the show, there's a level of frustration there and how you choose to deal with it or how you're equipped right. to deal with it really right. comes into play. And Julio clearly is equipped to deal with it because and he's probably been through a lot worse. He's probably thinking about it from that standpoint. Hey, you know what? Uh, growing up, like, you know, I've been through worse, you know, like maybe it was a school thing. Maybe it was another baseball thing when, you know, before the, the Mariners signed, him. I remember when I was 15 and, you know, I struck at 18 times or whatever it is. And he draws from that. And, and Jared's going to have to learn to kind of work through that. He is very intense. That's, a, that's the word I was just going to use. Yeah. There's an intensity to him that might behoove an NFL player who's playing in 17 games. There's just that intensity day in, day It's 162 games. I just wonder. And again, I'll come back and I'll ask you what you think is going to happen there. Let's get off of the counting. But you're right. that That's the word I was going to use. There's an intensity that I don't know is good day in, day out. I, mean, I think there needs to be a more fun-loving, happy guy in there over the course of a baseball season. Anyway, so the recent struggles – can be tied, obviously, to the offense a lot more than pitching, although the bullpen hasn't been great. Although the Mariners did in the Mets series, they went 29 of 103. So they hit in the 280s against the Mets in that three-game series. You seem to be, based on what I read, the eternal optimist when it comes to the Mariners' offense. You just think it's going to come around? I don't want to put words in your mouth. And the more I think of it, the more I kind of tend to... Frazier's going to hit. France is going to hit, Rodriguez is going to hit, Crawford's going to hit, Hanniger's going to hit, probably Winker, probably Winker's going to hit. That's six. How many do you need this day and age of Major League Baseball to hit? That's six guys I just mentioned. Yeah, I think you need eight that aren't automatic outs, maybe nine that aren't automatic outs. You don't have to get a ton of production from all nine spots. But if we look at, and, and, and I know why it seems like this, you, you, watch this you watch these games every night since April 7, and it feels like the offense has been terrible. Now, at times, the offense has been absolutely terrible. But when we think, we go back to the, the Rodriguez conversation in, in Kelnick where there are peaks and valleys, the peaks and valleys for the Mariners offense have been quite sharp. And when they're bad, it's like zero or one runs, not two or three and get beat five to three, five to two, six to two every night. They're getting shut out. What is it? Five times already yes. this season that yes. they've been shut out. I yes. mean, you know, so it's really tough. And there's a history here in Seattle of not hitting enough. The ballpark has been blamed. The Marine layer has been blamed. So I, I totally understand. But when you look at the whole, especially after Sunday, you look at the whole of, of the season and that offense has not been bad. There are a lot of things going right with that offense. Now the numbers don't look great, but part of that is Mitch, the league is hitting like two thirty-five. You know, it's just well, it, offense is down. Two twenty-nine going into Sunday. There were like seventeen six, six teams in the American League hitting worse than two twenty-nine. I remember when two twenty-nine was the worst team average by 20 points in major league baseball. I mean, yeah, that was the Mariners from, you know, 10 or, or, or 30 or 40 years ago. 
you know, that, that wasn't, you know, current and the, and guys that hit 229, you're not on the team unless you're the catcher, you know, remember the right, Dave Valley right, thing when he right. was hitting under 200 in the pitchers price of the, beers pitchers in the national league at two Rick camp of the Braves at 229. No, he didn't. Right, but yeah, right. but yeah, I get the point. The, That's just the environment we're in right now. Okay. And yeah, it's hard to be patient though. It's hard not to get frustrated when they're getting shut out, but when they go one run, zero, one, zero runs, you know, they get shut out three times in seven games or whatever. And then they go six runs, four runs, eight runs. You're like, yeah, what is, this team a little Jekyll and Hyde going on Jason what do you expect from Kyle Lewis I think I saw in his first 24 at bats in the minor leagues I guess at Arkansas a couple of home runs he's 8 of 24 for 333 everybody mm. says he might be a week or 10 days still yet what are they going to want what are they going to do with Kyle Lewis when he gets here that's a good question. I think he needs to be able to play the outfielder. It really creates a huge problem on this roster because Hanniger should not be playing outfield every day, especially after the high ankle sprain when he comes back. Uh, Winker really shouldn't be playing left field every day, but they're really not going to have a choice. He's probably going to have to do it five or six days a week. But I, I think Lewis needs to be able to play ultimately the outfield a couple of days a week. Now, maybe they don't do it much at all right when he gets back and kind of work them back slowly in it. But if we get to, you know, July, August, after the all-star break, well into August and Kyle Lewis still really can't play the outfield. It's a problem for the roster, but one that they're going to have to deal with. Now, a couple of things have swung in the right direction with that outfield defense. And that's that when Kelnick was up, he was good. And the guys that they're using out there now are at least average. Julio has been better than, you know, anybody really expected him to be in center. So if it's really just left field, we're talking about, maybe there really isn't a problem. And maybe this Lewis kind of clogging up the DH and taking away opportunities for the Hanegers and the Winkers to take a day off in DH isn't as big a deal as it could have been, but it's still not ideal because you want to be able to use that spot. Like most other teams do and get rest and things like that. But it would be huge if you could play two days a week, spread it out four or five days apart. If you need to play them five, six days a week, play them in the outfield on Monday, play them in the outfield on Saturday and give them, you know, Wednesday and Sunday off or something like that, or Tuesday and Sunday off. And you should be fine, but he's probably at least an average bat, and that's the most important thing at this point. Which leaves the pitching staff to discuss, and I want to start with Robbie Ray, and I'll admit I think my head must be in the clouds because I sent a frustrated tweet out on Sunday after he gave up four runs the half inning after getting a three-run lead, and I said something like, you know, an ace just doesn't do that. Not in the next half inning, maybe over the course of the next three or four. In the next half inning, an ace comes out and does the job, I had no idea what to expect in terms of the social media reaction. I didn't realize that there has been uh, a little bit of an anti-Robbie Ray thing going on amongst certain Mariner circles. Is that true? Do you notice that? I know he hasn't been lights out, but I'm getting the feeling that M's fans are jumping off of the Robbie Ray bandwagon quickly. What's I think this is about expectations. He wins the Cy Young last year, Mitch, and leads the league in strikeouts. And we haven't seen the same guy. And they see the hundred plus million dollar contract. Um, you know, one of the bigger pitcher contracts thrown out over last offseason. They expect him to be a number one. And I completely understand that. There's no reason to jump off the bandwagon. But when you're just assessing how well he's pitched uh, as a whole so far this season, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been as well as it should be. But I, I look at the, the start against the Mets. It's a good offense. He did have the one bad inning. And here we go again. This is going to remind you of the Ryan Franklin days, isn't it? And Ryan Franklin has the one bad inning. Otherwise, you know, and, and you now Robbie's not going to use that. That is an excuse. 
but he has had this one inning thing for like, I think three, four starts in a row. And I was at the the game last week against Tampa and the same exact thing happened. Otherwise he was, he was dynamite. Was so the there's a lot there to build on. And we're not talking about a rookie who's going to take a month or two to build on that. Like he knows what's going on. Like they don't have to tell him, you know, what's been unraveling and, and whether it was delivery or, you know, like he fell in love with the slide or whatever it is. Like he already knows what it is and he'll go out there and make an adjustment and a start or two. We'll stop seeing those four and five run innings. It did, you know, like you mentioned, I saw your tweet, you know, they go out and they take the lead and then he coughs it up like immediately. And, and that just sends like, if you're the, if you're an offensive player, I mean, if you have a great attitude, like, like Julio, maybe you're like, all right, another opportunity to go out there and, and give us the lead again. And he did, uh, you know, we went out and tied the game and, and then they took the lead, but, uh, you certainly don't want to, to, to go out there and not have full confidence in your race to so, shut them down. So you, what do you say to the people that tweeted me back? Like, dude, never been an ace one great year, mm. not really an ace overpaid in Seattle. He was always a good pitcher, not a great pitcher, except for the one Cy Young year. Fair. Well, it's true that it, it's absolutely true that he's only had the one great year. That's that's 100% true. Yeah. Um, he was a guy who had trouble throwing strikes up until last year and then really found it and eliminated, uh, you know, throwing the changeup as much as he used to eliminated throwing the curveball as much as he used to. He's barely throwing either of those pitches now. And, you know, when you pound the strike zone, like he did last year, you're going to get results like that. And he just hasn't been as consistent with that this year and, you know, start to start and within starts, we're seeing, you know, four or five good innings and like one, the one bad inning, of course, uh, I still think he's on the right track. You know, the, the velocity never really bothered me all that much is can Robbie Ray get back to at least most of the way to, to where he was a year ago when he was finding his release point and consistent with it, the entire game and pounding the strikes on with a really good fastball. That's, you know, 93 to 95 touching 96. And then going to that wipeout slider. They're two of the better pitches in major league baseball last year. And you know what, from a metric standpoint, they're still two of the better pitches in major league baseball from a starting pitcher. He's just not throwing enough strikes, especially with the fastball. Is Ray Gilbert, Marco flex and Kirby good enough? No, I don't think it is. And, and I know a lot of folks are worried about the offense I think there's more hope uh, for the offense to be league average or better with what they have right now in the organization, including getting Mitch Hanniger back in, right. in a couple of months and getting Kyle Lewis back at some point. They, in my opinion, need to go out and get another Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert caliber guy. And really? and we've been talking about guys like Frankie Montas and yes. Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. Uh, we'll see what develops, but I, I think that's what they actually need more than they need, really? you know, offense, because that's, I think where the opportunity is going to be, Mitch, they're going to be pitchers out there available. Um, I don't know that they're going to be like, where are they going to put an offensive player? Anyway, they go out and get another, you know, big time outfielder at this point. What are they going to do with them? You know, we just talked about how Lewis kind of clogs things up and Lewis is a quality bat as well. But if you're looking for an impact guy to hit two, three, four, five, somewhere in there, like the cost and the availability, the opportunity to go get that. I don't know that it's going to be there, but there are going to be starting pitchers out on that market. We know of three of them. We, I just mentioned them: Mally Castillo in Cincinnati going to be available. Uh, Frankie Montas in Oakland going to be available. Who else joins that? And does the price make sense for Seattle? Because you're only getting them for a year and a half at this point. Uh, Jerry really likes team control. That doesn't mean they can't go sign those guys once they trade for him, but you're only trading for what's under club control right now. So, and there are going to be other names. I mean, a couple other names that I've thrown out there. Miami is loaded with young starting we pitching that hasn't even seen the big leagues at this point. If they wake up in July and they're not really in it, like aggressively, they could make a kind of a sideways move, trade up Pablo Lopez 
call up one of their young guys and get another young player or two to add to the mix. Cause they're kind of where the Mariners were in 2020, 2021 to, to kind of start that season. And if they want to be where the Mariners hope they are now next year, they can make a move like that and take advantage of Pablo Lopez and the depth in their system. The bullpen is not as lights out as it was last year. My issue with those guys is they come in and they're falling behind hitters. They're walking guys. They're trying to fight back in counts late in games. And I'm not sure that it has to, I mean, baseball's changed. Do they also need to figure out who's their guy in the ninth inning, or is that not important anymore? I don't think the inning is important, but you do want to have two or three guys. Like last year, it was mostly, you know, mostly Graveman. And then after that, it was Seawall, then Steckenrider for the most part, and Castillo a little bit. Uh, you do want to know which guys you can go to and which guys you can lean on. So you want to get through these, these bumps in the road that we're seeing with Steckenrider and, and Castillo and Castillo was Castillo's outing on Sunday was weird, Mitch. It was like, it was scary. He got the job done on paper. It looks really good. The only walk was intentional, but you know, and some of those sliders were nasty, but he also hung two of them and got away with a big one to Pete Alonzo and Pete Alonzo got himself out. It should be, the score should have been tied and we should have been going if he'd have let that go. So uh, yeah, you gotta, you know, uh, you know, consider that a little bit. What's Diego Castillo for your club, but you do expect to get Ken Giles uh, back and you hope that he's back hundred percent and raring to go. So he's another guy that you think you're going to be able to go. And I think you can go to Munoz in a lot of those situations right now. So being a hundred with a, with a wipeout slider, so I wouldn't put it past them to go grab a reliever in July that can pitch, you know, late in the game, but I think it's probably just going to be one. And, and a lot of folks are like, man, they need to go get a left-hander. It, look at what Seawald and, 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 and uh, uh, Ken Giles have done in their careers, especially Seawald last year and this year, and, and even Steckenrider versus left-handed pitching. And you will not be worried about getting a lefty anymore. Like if they need to, Mitch, they can push Anthony Mashevitz right off the bullpen and add Giles and another guy and have one of the best bullpens on paper in baseball again, like they did a year ago. Let's go back to Kelnick. A lot of layers with him, struggling, tinkering. Attitude we talked about, intensity we talked about. I think fans are very quick to jump off on him, and he hears it and sees it, and it bothers him. I don't know. Uh, The more I think about it, the more I wonder whether I would make a wager in Vegas that he's going to pop in Seattle. If he's going to pop, maybe it's going to be somewhere else. If it were even money and it was Jason Churchill's money. And the the answer is yes or no. He's going to pop as a major leaguer. NC, I'm not saying all-star, but just pop. I mean, be a, mm. a quality major league hitter. Obviously, he's already a quality major league outfielder. Will it happen here in Seattle with all the things seemingly going against him right now? Like considering what's already happened and where he is right now, which is taking a little bit of a breather before he officially reports to AAA Tacoma. It's been a couple of days and he's still not playing down there yet. Uh, you have to lean no on that. If you're making a wager, you have to lean no. And, uh. and some of that is because where where the Mariners are, they can't wait too long. Like if if this was 2020, you're not really, I'm saying yes. If, if this is, you know, we're in 2022, the Mariners are trying to win right now. There's no more developmental seasons and you can only take so many developmental opportunities in a season when you're trying to win. You look at what the Dodgers and the Astros have done over the years. You take some shots on some young guys, but you have to have backup plans and you can't wait too long because then the losses start piling up and you just can't do that if you're trying to win. With Kelnick, like for me, the bet would change if the Mariners started to struggle again this year. 
you know, because then he's going to get an opportunity either late in the year to come up and get a chunk where they're not, again, not worried. Now, again, what are they 16 and 19 through Sunday's game or something like along those lines, right? Like you're still hovering around 500 and, and I still expect them to be 500 by the end of June and right back in the thick of things in July when Lewis and, and uh, Giles and, and Hanniger get back. But I just don't see at this point how Seattle can go back to Kelnick at any point and try to rely on him. Like maybe they do something in September with him because there's nowhere else for him to be and give him a few at bats, let him be around the big league club. If he does the right things down at Tacoma. But if I'm Jerry DePoto, I'm thinking right now for 2022, I'm done with Jared Kelnick as a guy I'm giving everyday opportunities to. I cannot risk that. And the only evidence that I have at the big league level is that he's going to struggle. I can't take that risk. I could do it early in the year, but here we are in mid-May and then June and in July. I might have to go get a guy. Like if Lewis isn't the fix, I might have to go get a guy, whether it's a guy that can play infield and outfield or just another everyday outfielder because I'm worried about Kyle Lewis. Jared Kelnick's not that guy for 2022 if I'm I'm Jerry DePoto. Now that doesn't necessarily in itself mean he's not going to pop in Seattle, but I'm I'm thinking if that does happen, we're not seeing it until 2023. You can't move him. Probably not at this point. Like you could, but it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense unless you think like there are other issues with Jared Kelnick that are going to get in the way of us helping him become a quality big leaguer, like, like his willingness to go outside the organization on a regular basis to get help, you know, and that's fine. And a lot of hitters do that, but if that's conflict, and I don't know that it is, I'm not saying that it is, but if the Mariners think that's conflicting with what they're trying to teach him, then we have a problem. Then we have an organizational versus Kelnick thing. And they probably just can't continue that relationship. I'm not saying it's there, but that's possible. And those are those scenarios, Mitch, where we hear about teams, a a kid gets to 22, 23, 24 years old. He's had big league chances in two or three seasons. And you hear the change of scenery phrase go along. I never thought we'd get here with Jared Kelnick, but we might get here with Jared Kelnick in the next, you know, months to years. So finishing up uh, overall, five teams in the American league have been better than everyone else. The Yankees, the Rays, the twins, the Astros, and the angels. And then everybody else is like hovering around 500, a couple of games under. Still expect the Mariners to be right there all the way into September. Yes. Yeah, I do. And unless, you know, again, knock on wood, we're, we're going to see more key injuries because you can't really sustain that. And you know what we haven't seen? And I do not root for injuries, so I'm definitely not doing that. But we haven't seen the Angels deal with significant injury yet. And they have some injury-prone guys on the right. That is a very thin starting rotation. It is a thin bullpen. That organization is thin when it comes to making significant trades. Uh, Anthony Rendon has been hurt. Like we haven't seen that happen to, to, to the angels. We haven't really seen that happen to the twins. I think the angels and the twins are very susceptible despite where they are right now moving forward. And I think Seattle's definitely going to get back into it. And, you know, fans are tired of hearing on paper, you know, this is how good the team is in actuality. They do have to start performing. I completely understand that. And teams do underperform sometimes because I think last year's team overperformed to some level, Mitch. And I think everybody agrees with that to some extent, but I also don't feel like last year, was the mirage that others do. It wasn't a 14 win lucky team. This was a team that maybe randomly won four or five extra games in, you know, late extra innings, one run, things like that, that they might not win this year, but this year's team is so much more talented than last year's team, even losing Mitch for, you know, a couple of months, this team is just flat out better than last year. And if you think last year's team was an 85 win team, great. Then this year's at least an 85 win team.
and they're going to add to it. I don't think Jerry's going to stand pat. I don't know that they're going to be really aggressive and make a bunch of moves, but I do think we're going to see one significant move that can impact this year and at least next year, if not the year after. Prospectinsider.com. Baseball things, the podcast. How often you doing? A couple of two, three times a week? Something like Twice that? a week. I, I generally do Sunday night and then Tuesday I have a guest, Joe Doyle, and, and we just toss things nice. around. And so it's, it's nice. every, every every week we do two at least. And then sometimes when something you know wacky happens, Mitch, we do an extra one nice. because sometimes that's just what it calls for. Nice. Jason Churchill rejoining us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Come back again, okay? You got it anytime, Mitch. Thanks. Time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. It's springtime at Zeke's. How you doing over there, Dan? Yeah. Hey, Mitch. Yeah. Springtime's fun because our patios are opening up. And so it's always fun to drink beer and eat pizza on a nice patio on a nice day. And so there's more of that going on all the time. And it's fun. Would you say that most of your locations have outdoor seating? Not most of our locations, but certainly most of our full service restaurants, which we call pizza pubs. So, you know, if you're going to a Zeke's that's got a full bar, spirits, craft beer, all that stuff. There's likely to be outdoor seating. And you guys continue to grow like a weed. We've talked about Spokane a little bit. We haven't spoken of Mill Creek, White Center coming soon, and, and a couple of more. Tell us about those. Yeah, Spokane opened. We talked about that a little bit. Mill Creek opened and is doing well. White Center's coming up really soon. And then beyond that, we've actually got three more that are reasonably close. We've got Seward Park, Renton, and Duval in that order. And, you know, more deals coming all the time. And you're hearing from Mitch Unfiltered listeners I'm hearing through the grapevine? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. We, we've we actually got a couple of leads, no deals closed yet, but specifically that came from Mitch Unfiltered oh, and wow. heard about us there, which is obviously a huge stoker, but I'm a little bit worried that my invoices <laughs> are going to go up now. They are going to go up. They are going to go up. All right. I think, I think that I've decided when I don't go with original cheese, like my mom's favorite, Cherry Bomb is my fave on the Zeke's Pizza menu. Where is it in, in the in the pecking order? Well, first, we still got to get your mom up here sometime and cut it into squares for her like she's used to it. Is it Camille's? You or? got it. Camille's. Yep. Yeah. Um, in Florida. But you're not alone on the Cherry Bomb. It's definitely one of my favorites, and it's – Outside of cheese and pepperoni, probably the most popular one. And it's certainly the one people talk about the most. So, yeah, Cherry Bomb is cannot go wrong with that one. What are you drinking these days from Zeke's? Yeah, this time of year, I kind of transition. You know, we order a lot for delivery and I, I use Zeke's for my grocery store for beer. We have better beer than you can get at the grocery store. So when I order, I just I order enough for the next couple of weeks and stuff that I can throw in the cooler and stuff like that. I'm really excited for you guys. You've been a great partner back in the radio days and now with Unfilled. Filtered Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Jesse Colkin played, and Colkin laces this one to center. Danny Almonte, he can also field as well as pitch. Nice play. I'm really, really excited for our next guest, who's quite the story. In 2001, believe it or not, he was the catcher on the Bainbridge Little League All-Star team that shocked the world and made it all the way to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And what did he do to celebrate, you ask? He quit baseball and he picked up golf, of course. After a high school and college success, the Wing Point head golf pro has qualified for the PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma this week. Here he is. Straight from Wing Point, the pride of Bainbridge Island, 
Austin Hurd. How are you, Austin? Fantastic, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait. Damn. You're playing in the PGA Championship. You know, been a lifelong dream. Looking forward to it. Can't thank people enough for the outpour of support. It's been overwhelming. It's been so exciting. And we're just, we're ready to get there. Ready to start playing some golf, baby. (laughs) You know, if I'm being honest, I'm still a little bitter about you guys losing to that Bronx Little League team. How many years ago was that? That's 21 years ago. 2001. The team that was led by 25-year-old Danny Almonte, right? <laughs> 25 years old. Man, uh, can we talk about that for a whole whole hour probably? But, I mean, we lost that fucking game before we were even in the stadium, man. We, we, got, we got there. It was our third game in Williamsport. And uh, we walk into the stadium, and we've been seeing Danny all week. He's had two girls around him everywhere that we go. <laughs> all over the place and uh he has a mustache and we're like this guy is playing against us that guy is a major leaguer man he's getting phone calls from ken griffey jr all these things that are going on we walk in there and man we we start going their guy that's on the mound i I forget his name but he was throwing heaters he was we couldn't touch the ball let alone get on base i don't i think there was one dude that got on base the entire game but past that we were hitting pop flies in the outfield where danny was playing he didn't let any of the outfielders get a ball. He would he would run in front of them. He covered the entire outfield. It was a one man show the entire week. So <laughs> we were sitting there like this is unbelievable, unbelievable. Did but, you did you guys kind of know? Did you sense something was up with him, or did nobody really know at the time? We knew. Um, oh. So the the teams the teams that were there before the other regional games were playing there's a there's a players quarters in there so there's ping pong tables and probably 20 n64s and a bunch of people sitting around during this time where they were playing he was in the midst of a perfect game i believe before he got to williamsport like that regional qualifying in in the bronx and every single kid was sitting there instead of playing ping pong instead of playing n64 we were all watching the game we couldn't believe this guy he was striking people out and we're looking at each other like we have no chance if we face this guy. Unbelievable. Going to be impossible. So, you know, just being there, that's where we were at. We were happy. We were having fun. But you know? but but you didn't face – he didn't pitch against you. You guys lost – he was out in the outfield. So yeah. did they ultimately have to forfeit? And by the way, if they forfeited – don't you guys have to get the crew back together and go back out? I, I, I think we still have a game to play, don't we? <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. So they didn't forfeit. They didn't figure it out. Nobody could supply birth certificates yeah. for any of them until after the event. So yeah, yeah. So we so we got done and they said, oh, they have forgiven their wherever they finish, you know, and they're like, you still finished fifth in the nation, eighth in the world and uh, right, right. Better, better luck next year, you know, so. Good. So you got on a plane and you came home to a hero's welcome. You got off the plane. Everybody is waiting to to play AAU baseball and to play high school baseball and to play minor league baseball and to play in the big leagues. And what does Austin Hurt do? He says, I'm done. I'm done. I'm quitting right now. You're finished, right? Completely finished, man. I got to, uh, got to my first practice and, uh, it wasn't with my guys. We weren't together anymore. We had been completely separated. We, it just was like, great job. Now you're going to go play with 12 completely new dudes or 11 new dudes. And that wasn't my jam. I was like, I only want to play with those guys. That's the team that I want. That was our team. Right. 
and here we are, you know, like this. So this isn't fun for me anymore. That's kind of where it came down to. And I was like, I need to be able to have an avenue to, to not rely on a team to play. And it's not that I didn't want to play with teammates. It was more so that once I found golf, it was kind of, it was easy to get out. I could grab my bag and I could strap up and throw my headphones in and go walk for four hours. You know, that, that's what it's all about. Were you good right away? <laughs> no, I mean, competitively, completely shockingly terrible. No, I don't <laughs> for, believe for, that. I don't first believe tee that. Shot, first tee shot with one of my best buddies, Jamie Neal is his name. And his dad had driven us to a carnation golf club. I don't know yeah, if you know where that's know, at, but carnation. Yeah. <laughs> And I think Jamie might've puked on his way to the event. We're getting out of the car. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're nervous. We have no idea what to expect. I get up on the first hole. I shank one dead, right. Hits a tree, goes out of bounds. And I'm like, wow, that's your first competitive tee shot. Unbelievable. And, and I was nervous from there on out. I think I shot 95 and we just kept getting back on the horse. It was, uh, so how'd you get yeah. so good? How'd you get so good? You have a good teacher. Was it, was it, uh, give us a sense of how, I mean, how do you turn, a shank right at Carnation <laughs> into playing in the PGA championship at Southern uh, Hills. How does that happen for God's sakes? I've had a lot of mentors along the way. I attribute a lot of it to uh, just the people that I've surrounded myself with. Uh, Bill Tyndall. Oh yeah. Huge oh, yeah. inspiration in my light and oh, yeah. uh, in my eyes. He, uh, he Bill. was my swing coach for quite, quite a few years and uh, always been good to me. Showed up during the pandemic. I hadn't seen him for, 15 years and just wanted to say congratulations on becoming the head professional and just a class act. So that's one of them. And then people that I have around here, Jeff D'Amico, my boss and director of golf here now, giving me the opportunity to even to be around wing point uh, where I grew up with my family. My parents are members here and uh, all the friends that I've had along the way, all the, you got this, you can play with these guys, Amazing. everything. This Amazing. is the outpour of support is again, overwhelming. And, fantastic it's amazing awesome it's amazing so you play high school golf you excel you're one of the best high school players in the state you end up playing college golf at washington state uh you're an assistant pro you're still playing competitively you're winning tournaments around the area and the pacific northwest and you go to this uh pga club pro championship first of all yeah. you go to austin texas and you shoot 66-68 in the first two rounds. You got to finish in the top 20 to get into the PGA Championship. You're sitting pretty after two rounds, and then all hell breaks loose with the wind. I watched a little of it. It was like one of those things that you watch on TV, and you're like, I'm glad I'm not playing today. I'm not. I'm okay sitting here watching these guys. It was not easy those second two days. I wish I wasn't playing either, man. It was tough those last few days. <laughs> I was, I was dying out there. We first two rounds were, it felt great. I was like, Oh yeah. I, I remember sitting with my girlfriend, Christina at the time, still, still now. And we were sitting at the bar that night and she looks at me and goes, so what's your goal? You've, you've made the cut. That was what you told me that you wanted to do when you came here. And, uh, what now? I think we're having a martini or something like that. And I look at her and I go, I'm going to try to win this golf event. Just, and completely Florida. She didn't, she's never seen that side. And, and she, her mouth just dropped to the floor. I'm like, I'm not kidding. How like, many, this ba is what we how many back for. were you after the first two rounds? I believe one. I was one back. Wow. Behind Jesse Mueller, who solid player, great yeah. dude. And he just striped it all week. And he just, he outplayed everybody. It was, it was great. But anyway, look at her and that, that's where we were at. I was like, okay, we're going to go try to do this next day. <laughs> and I got the cameras on and 
frankly the first time that like there's actually been tvs behind me and sound crews yes. going and yes. everybody right in the fairways you know just trying to trying to acclimate a little bit and man it, it for the first few holes it, it just didn't feel normal so on top of that the wind was blowing so we're hitting shots balls are flying left right <laughs> everybody's like where's the wind you doing and where is the wind going and every time so my brother was on the bag for me as well I and that. yeah that's that's fantastic but every time that we would figure out a wind direction we'd throw up some more grass and it would go completely opposite way oh. we, we couldn't figure it out the entire time so we were just we were just happy to be out there and and when walking together i mean truly if i wouldn't have had him it, we wouldn't be in this spot right mm. now so mm. you finish 11th <laughs> you're playing in the pga championship i guess it's your first chance to play with some of the greatest players in the world i'm certain when you were playing pac 12 golf that you were at the very least dreaming and maybe at the most aiming to play on the PGA tour. Walk us through that. Was there a pursuit? Was there Q school? Was there trying to Monday qualify or did you never go that route? Ah, uh, so graduated, graduated from Wazoo in 2010 and, uh, moved directly down to the Phoenix area, Scottsdale area, started working, started working for pinnacle peak country club. And, uh, know it. Yep. Know some of my buddies down there that were also Pac-10 golfers at the time, and then later on Pac-12. But a couple of my guys, Craig Leslie and Zach Bixler. Uh, Craig played for UCLA. Bixler played for UW. I kind of rubbed shoulders with Kevin Chapel a little bit, who was also a UCLA guy. They kind of got me in the door, and from there it was kind of uh, yeah, maybe we're going to play on some mini tours. So I, I picked that up, got some got some funds together outside of playing the three days that the events were, I would be working the other four. So it was kind of, it was tough. It was tough to practice. It was tough to play. And eventually after a couple of years down there, uh, back and forth, I went to Canadian tour Q school in Beaumont, California. And <laughs> man, I had, it gives me nightmares thinking about it, but oh. the first round, first round, I shoot two or three under on the front nine and I'm, jacked i am so pumped i'm like oh this is easy money i haven't had a worse nine holes since this or <laughs> ever again you know but i think i shot like 49 on the back oh! it was just complete meltdown first round and i didn't want to play the rest of them but i did i think i ended up missing it by like three shots to go to cantor and <laughs> i just got my car and and drove home i didn't want to go back to arizona i didn't want to I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, I think I'm going to quit the game. I, I'm completely done with this. I, I'm in the car by myself. Talk about a lonely spot, man. It was, uh, it was tough. It was tough to to wrap my head around and try to feel like, like this is the right thing. You're doing the right stuff. And again, there was texts that were coming out that were a lot of outreach, like don't give up, don't don't worry about it. You'll get them next time. It's like I don't want to ever do that or experience that ever again. Really? So yeah driving home, you know, I got here and, uh, started looking for work. Got yeah. hired at Glendale golf and country club and yep. Kenny Boyd, he hired me at, uh, at Glendale golf and country club after about six months or so pulls me into his office and says, this just doesn't look like, uh, what you want to do. You don't look like you're having fun. This isn't a career path for you. Uh, we're going to let you go. And I'm, I was blown away Florida. I've never been fired from anything. It really woke me up and Immediately after that, I called Jeff D'Amico here and uh, here you are asking for a job. And seven years later, all my guys around here, they just they've never stopped supporting me and 
they've helped me be in this position. And I, I just can't thank them enough for giving me the shot. Austin, at what point do you recall at one point that you finally, and maybe you'll tell me you're still not at peace with the notion that this is what you do now. You play Pacific Northwest events, the, the club pro championship, but for the most part, the days of, comp- of earning a living playing competitive golf are over. Do you remember coming to grips with that? And are you at peace with that right now? 100% at peace. I, I really feel that I'm in a great spot. I got a lot of support around me. I, I do what I, I love every single day. I rub shoulders with people that are incredibly kind and nice to me amongst my section, the Pacific Northwest section, PGA. Gotta love those guys. We, we, we compete. We're like brothers out there. There's so much love between us and texts and outpouring of, of success for one another. We're happy when somebody else does something. That's all I can ask for. You know, I, I, I wasn't looking to become famous. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. I think I told somebody in a different interview, I'm not Rory McIlroy. I'm not Brooks Koepka. I'm just, I'm just some dude that can putt a little bit, you know, and made a few clutch ones down the stretch. And, and here we are, we put ourselves into a position where we all dream about this, let alone playing on the PGA tour for one event, a major championship to boot. There's no other spot that I'd rather be in right now. But what happens if you get there and the fire (laughs) is restoked and you come back with stars in your eyes, with dollar signs, like the slot machines in your eyes. Is that possible that you're going to come back from Tulsa uh, back to the old days or no? I think my boys will keep me pretty okay. grounded around here. I'll tell you that right now. I think we're we're doing okay. We're doing okay. And I, uh, I can't be happier. Okay. So. so when you get to, when you get to Tulsa, Oklahoma and you get to the PJ championship and you're not allowed to answer tiger, because that's too easy. Because I was thinking about this. When you took up golf in 2000, 2001, when he got back from the Little League World Series, he was busy winning all the majors all the time. So maybe he so was So much here. so. Yeah. <laughs> Go so, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say so much so that I remember, and I'm sure you had it too, it was like Tiger's winning again. He's leading again. We almost got bored to the point that we couldn't even watch the TV anymore, man. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. That's insane. That's insane. It's like, oh, we better shut it off. He's winning again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, holy shit. So, you know? so, so, what, who, so who do you want to hit balls next to? Who do you want to shake hand? Who do you want to end up in a practice round with? If you could, <laughs> you can pick any guy in the field. Who is it? You can't say Tiger. Can't say Tiger. Well, I'd probably have to say that a couple of the other dudes that you really look up to and probably one of closest Tigers cohorts is uh, JT. You know, he's, he's an inspiration to all of us. He, he's a shot shaper. He, his dad's a PGA professional. A lot of things that I'd love to ask him questions about. It would be a blast to just rub shoulders and, and walk alongside him and pay some respects to his father who again pj of america is why we do this we we love our members we we just want to be be better for everybody around us that's the bottom line so what's going to be the biggest obstacle now i I read somewhere where you said i'd love to make the cut somehow Mm -hmm. make the cut you're going to go out there it's a golf course like all the golf courses you play now it's going to be tough out there obviously uh this is a site that's hosted a lot of major championships over the years tigers won there in fact um (laughs) Outside of the pressure and the moment and the just the, the circumstances, for you, when you step on that first tee from a golf perspective, what's going to be the single biggest key 
to you playing good golf, good enough golf to be in the in the hunt to make a cut the second day? I think the key is just soaking it all in and enjoying when I get to that first tee and there's however many thousand people on that first tee and my name gets announced and just try to enjoy that moment. I mean, we've worked so hard to get where we're at. Take it one thought at a time. Don't get ahead of myself. One swing at a time like we did down there. And I know it's going to be tough, but but that's what we got to do. We got to compartmentalize it to the point where it's just one at a time. It's just another swing. It's it's just golf. <laughs> I'm not standing there waiting to get my head chopped off on a guillotine or anything like that. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're ready to roll, baby. We're playing in a major championship. And I just, I can't, can't express how exciting that is for me and, and everybody that's watched me over the years. It's just, it's one at a time. It sounds cliche, but, but here we are. Brother will be on the bag brother would be on the bag. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to talk him off that one. Don't you think? <laughs> hey, hey, bro, I'm taking a, I'm taking a local Tulsa caddy with me. You're done. <laughs> and we know, we know Austin Hurt can, can putt those greens because you can putt any greens, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see, baby. <laughs> and by the way, I should mention before we finish, Feenstra's in there. And going yeah, in yep. and going into the last, so Feenstra is a local guy, a Pacific Northwest guy. And as I understand it, going into the final round of the club pro championship, there were like four or five guys from this neck of the woods that had a shot. Benzel had a shot. Berg had a shot. I think the guy from Oregon made it. Um, Colin, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So this was a, a pretty good showing from our beloved Pacific Northwest golfers. No Pacific Northwest brothers got a great chapter up here. We got a great section. We got, dudes that know how to play golf. They've been doing it for a long time. Benzel played in, yeah. he played in Southern Hills in 2007, you know? So, I mean, these guys aren't new. Tim's been there eight times. It's his first time he's ever qualified for a PGA championship. I mean, I've learned a lot from these guys and how they handle themselves, how they carry themselves day in and day out. Super professional. We have an incredible section with incredible talent. And, and I just can't thank them alongside everybody else that, makes it happen they are they're instrumental to what we do that's why we play we want to show up and and be there for one another i mean give ourselves a chance to compete against one another and that's we love it we love it every single day you're already a success so go out there and do your best i'll be pulling for you everybody listening to this will be pulling for you does this change at all any events that you'd like to play in, maybe a, a U.S. Open qualifying or anything? Will you do anything different as a result of the success that you've already had in the Club Pro Championship or no? No, probably not. I think the biggest things are, though, that there are exemptions that come along with being in the top 20. So we'll be we'll be playing at sectionals June 6th down at Pronghorn automatically qualifies you in. And nice. I believe maybe the Open Championship. I have to check on that one. But uh, qualifier there. So across the pond. But uh so some pretty cool things uh, to, to get that email from USGA that says you are immediately exempt from local qualifying. You know, that's a grind of a day, 18 holes. If you're not hot, if you don't get hot, you're done out of 8,800 people to be one of those 530. If you, if you're not making birdies that day, it's, it's not your year. Try again. So, so sectional is when June 6th at uh, Prong- Bend, Oregon Pre- at Prong- Pronghorn. At Prong- and you're going to have, how many spots are going to be on the line there? Not 100% sure yet. I think it's like four, four maybe, somewhere in there. So we'll we'll see. We'll know more. In between, (laughs) listen, in between the the PGA Championship and Pronghorn or after Pronghorn, come to Aldera, be my guest, 
And and I'll teach you a few things. I'll teach you a couple of short game <laughs> shots, okay? I'll teach you the flop shot, the Phil Mickelson flop shot, my favorite player. I'll teach you a couple of things. <laughs> I got your email now. I got your email now, baby. So you better watch out. We're coming in hot. We're coming in hot. <laughs> you tell Jeff, you tell Jeff that I'll I'll set up a, a foursome. Him, you, me, me and me and Bracken will take the two of you guys on. All it's right? time head to, head. to check back Can't in wait, with John Waterstrat. Good luck to you. Thanks for joining us. He's awesome. back with Thank us. Thank you very much, Mitch. Appreciate Fireplaces, you having me on. Garage doors. You name it. How goes it over there, John? It's doing great. Uh, we've had to get through this mucky weather, like you know, Mitch, but it uh, <laughs> looks like the sun's popping back out. Things are starting to shine a little bit more. Like everywhere else, you and I have been talking about the wait times for non-stock orders because of the shipping issue that everybody has. Are you seeing any improvement on that end? We definitely have seen some improvement. I can't say it's going to be quick, but uh, it has improved. And uh, our manufacturers have done a wonderful job of just looking at their processes, looking at what we're going through right now, these shortages, and and doing a good job to get lead times down. And what do you think they are? Uh, Sometimes it depends. Like I said, we always have the stock list, and we can talk about that. But uh, we also have some things that are on longer lead times. But instead of waiting 30 weeks, we've kind of shrunk that down maybe to 18 to 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's not short, but it's gotten better. But there's always that option of purchasing and installing a unit that's in your inventory, which is what we did here at the Levy household. So let's walk through that for a second. The Fireside Home Solutions team comes to your home free of charge. They look at your space, analyze and listen to your needs. Then we visit one of your many showrooms in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Just talk to your sales rep. We'll come out to your house. We'll look at what you want and then just let your sales rep know. Is it speed that you need? If you need that, we'll get the stock list together. We'll find something that works and we can get that installed in about three weeks. If you have some time, let us know and we can get exactly what you want. And we just have to be patient, just like in any any order that we're talking about with these longer lead times. Perfect. A few years ago, you guys wandered into the garage door market too. How's that been going? Because I'm hearing about some exciting things coming down the line. Yeah, it's been great. We've continued to grow that business. And uh, here in the fall, we're going to go ahead and open a showroom in Tacoma. It's going to help the South Sound areas. And it's going to be really nice to be able to have Bellevue, Auburn, and Tacoma and just be able to help those customers in Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. Now, before you go, you have to tell our audience where you were for the first time in the middle of April and what you thought. Oh, uh, I got to have that bucket list checked off and I was able to get to go Augusta. Pretty awesome. Awesome to watch Scotty Seffler uh, hit some great shots, but the course is just a special place. Well, I'll say it then. We love Fireside Home Solutions, a tradition unlike any other and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. 51-47. Bates trips. Strother recovers off the mark. Chet Holmgren for the follow. Well, Fayetteville is 1,843 miles away, but the call of the Hogs can be heard all the way to San Francisco. A couple of months have gone by now since the NCAA tournament, which was obviously a disappointment for Gonzaga and all of its fans. You know, 20 years ago, There was little off-season intrigue for Zags. Seniors completed their eligibility and then left. Underclassmen stayed and were four-year players, but those days are long gone. And Jim Meehan, Spokesman Review, who's been covering the program for a long time, despite being only 23 years old, steps back into (laughs) Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Jim? Hey, doing well, Mitch. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. 
Let's begin with your reaction to, let's say, the last eight months. There was the unfortunate off-the-court incident with Mark Few in October. There was the arrival of Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the country. 28 wins, only four losses, and all of them to very good teams, but only a sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. A roller coaster, Jim. It was. It. It. Uh, <laughs> there were so many things that happened. You, you throw NIL in there as well. Players making money uh, legally for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the Zags, uh, been a year just kind of like uh, many of their last five or six where they have been legitimate national title contenders. Been right there, have the team that that is in the mix, uh, top overall seed the last two years. Uh, got to the title game uh, in 2021, undefeated, lost to Baylor, which was clearly the better team that night. And this year, uh, many of the same things, maybe not quite Uh, as good a team as the 2021 team, but the presence of Chet Holmgren, what he does defensively, his ability to hit the three ball uh, made them, uh, you know, the number one overall seed and a a title threat, but got derailed down in San Francisco, ran into an Arkansas team that was athletic, aggressive, kind of took the fight to the Zags, won all the 50-50 balls. And, and held the Zags' offense down a little bit, scored it better than they usually score it, and, and eliminated the Zags. So still searching for that right combination, that right uh, draw in the tournament, and, and, uh, and all the right pieces to finish off the job. That's the one thing that they haven't been able to do. Jim, Tommy Lloyd in Arizona might have been the most popular pre-tournament pick to win it all, maybe outside of Gonzaga. How would that have played in Spokane his first year in Tucson? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you remember, they were supposed to play in the regular season. And really early, I think in early November, one of the, I don't know, second or third game of the year, Mm -hmm. uh, when Tommy got the job down there, kind of one of those unwritten rules in in Gonzaga's program with Mark Few that they they don't want to play he doesn't want to play his former assistants, and they really don't want to play against him. That includes Leon Rice down at Boise State, mm-hmm. Billy Greer when he was a head coach, now Tommy, Dan Monson, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, that would have been one heck of a game to watch. I think first one to 90 would have won it, <laughs> and I'm not sure who, who would have got to 90 first. Those are two great offensive teams. I think the coaches would have probably hated it until uh, the <laughs> ball went up, but uh, probably would have enjoyed what they're watching because they play some pretty pleasing basketball to the eye. Had Arizona won the national championship, Jim, would that have been a tough pill to swallow or would everybody have been just excited for Tommy? I I think there would probably be both sides to that. There'd okay. be some feeling on both sides, but okay. I think overwhelmingly there would have been great appreciation for Tommy. Okay. And what he's done, uh, I mean, Mark Few had a ton of trust in Tommy Lloyd from game planning to player development to recruiting, especially internationally. Yep. I mean, Tommy is a proven entity here and uh, not a surprise that he could get a job, maybe uh, turned down a lot of jobs because he was waiting for, in his words, during the press conference down there, Arizona, the one place he would take mm-hmm. as a head coach. And uh, obviously the fit was good both ways. He had a heck of a team, 
And I'm kind of anxious to see what he does going forward. Uh, and I'm kind of hoping that series gets revived. <laughs> Gonzaga, Arizona, now that UCLA is back in the mix, those are kind of the three teams, yep. along with Oregon, yep. on the West Coast, that uh, anytime they play, that's good for people, all of us. People are watching. I asked Mike DeCourcy, the terrific college hoops writer for the Sporting News, Jim, whether we ever get to a point where the narrative meanders from unimaginable program building from few to why can't he win the big one? And Mike said he hopes that that never happens because of the impossible job that few has done making Spokane a destination for the Holmgrens and the like. How do you yeah. feel about that? Well, I, I mean, you do have to keep the big picture in mind. Uh, this was a program that I don't believe ever went to the NCAA tournament till 95, 96. Uh, and what they've done the last 20 plus years is truly one of the remarkable stories in the sport in the history of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got what Coach K did at Duke. You have uh, UConn's rise with uh, uh, Jim Calhoun, uh, Gonzaga, what they've done, the winning, uh, the tournaments, the success in the tournament. Again, just one one victory from really <laughs> completing yes. one of the most yes. uh, miraculous rises in sports. So, yes. you know, I'm sure it, it eats at Mark every time he walks off the floor at the NCAA tournament mm -hmm. and into the recruiting and the offseason. What do I have to do to, to finish the job? Uh, I think they've put themselves in positions to finish the job. They've had two cracks at it. One, they got beaten soundly, and one, they had the lead with less than two minutes left. I think uh, the more times they knock on the door, uh, I think they're going to break the door down one of these years. It's it's all going to happen for them. But until they do, that question will be there. Jim, every time you turn around, there are questions about the WCC schedule and its impact on Gonzaga, if any, and their mm -hmm. runs in the, in the big tourney. You've got BYU leaving in a year which presumably eliminates a couple of quad one games or possibilities anyway. Mm -hmm. Will we ever see few jump for the Big East? Would Big East schools want to take those long trips to Spokane? Or are they just going to stick it out with whomever's in the WCC, do you think? Well, I mean, obviously that's been the question that lingers over, you know, maybe why they haven't uh, performed in the NCAA tournament, especially back 8, 10, 12 years ago. Not quite as much in recent years. The WCC's gotten better. BYU is a kind of a tournament team, at least uh, most years. St. Mary's is a proven entity. And last year you had San Francisco rise up and make the tournament. As far as the Big East, that chatter is always out there. Uh, the question still remains. Gonzaga is in Spokane. Uh, the closest team is in Omaha. That's a pretty, yeah. pretty long trip in itself. Yep. Then you've got Marquette and DePaul, and you've got some teams that are yeah. are reasonably close, but the, the entire conference is Midwest to East Coast. And that I think that question is more up to the Big East. Let's talk about some of the personnel that played for the Zags, that will play for the Zags. Start with Chet Holmgren. You mentioned him. You mentioned his defensive ability and the ability to step out and hit the three. Was he everything as advertised? And is he the clear number one pick in the draft, do you think, Jim? Well, I, I think he did pretty much what they thought he'd be able to do. He shot over 40% from three most of the year. He was uh, as good or better at, than advertised defensively. I mean, he was a real rim protector. Yep. 
game changer in there. Uh, and perfect is the four coming off to help on, you know, a guard driving or whoever was posting up down low as a help side defender. He blocked shots all over the place. So I think he did live up to all the expectations. Aside from the, the numbers, uh, I think he just fit in uh, perfectly with that team. His role, his work ethic, he, I mean, he just lives in the gym. Uh, he actually lives in the weight room pretty well. It just doesn't show all the time. And I, I think he's just going to be one of those kids that's going to take time to, to add weight, but he's never going to be 250. He, he just doesn't have that frame. I, I could see him at 220, 230 being very effective. And I don't know if he's, I don't think he's the surefire number one. I think Paulo Bancaro is in that mix. Obviously, Jabari Smith has yeah. been just a perfect pro player with the way he shoots it in his body. There's a couple of guys right there with him, but if he lasts beyond three, I'd be very surprised <laughs> if uh, Chet Holmgren's not off the board by number three in the draft. So you got Chet Holmgren, you've got Andrew Nembhard, you've got Timmy, you've got Strother. These are the guys that are going to the NBA Combine, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the consensus is is that Holmgren and Nembhard are going to stay uh, in the draft, and then Timmy and Strother. Strother might come back. Timmy's kind of on the fence. Do I have mm-hmm. that right? I think you're pretty much correct. Holmgren's, uh, Holmgren's going. I mean, top three, that's obvious. Yes. Nemhard has to go as well, and he's indicated that he's going as okay. well. Okay. It's his third time declaring. He did it twice at Florida. The second year, he, he pulled his name and transferred to Gonzaga. So he is in yep. the draft, yep. and I think will be a second-round pick and a pretty good Backup point guard. Okay. I think he will make that league. Uh, and after that, it's very similar to last year, Mitch. It, their whole offseason, in a large part, depends on what true Timmy decides to do. If he comes back, he'll be in the player of the year discussion for sure. He'll be probably a three-time All-American. He'll be one of the leading scorers in the nation. And Gonzaga will probably be in the top ten of the preseason poll, if not the top five. If he leaves... They very well could lose their entire starting five. I think uh, uh, Strother is more in the 50-50 range, but he is a very nice prospect. Good size, good shooter, can score it, 6'7". So I think depending on what he does at these uh, workouts and at the combine, we'll see what happens with him. The other kid is Razier Bolton. He is also in the draft. Uh, my guess is he will probably move on, you know, 80 to 90 percent move on, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's NBA or pros overseas. So I think the big question becomes Timmy and Strother. Timmy's interesting because it reminds me a little of the Isaiah Thomas decision when he was here at Washington. You know, Thomas still had a year left. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't thought of as a high first round or even a first round draft choice. But at some point he said to himself, I am what I am. I, I've, I've done what I can do in college ball. I'm not going to do anything more. I, I might as well, if I'm going to take a shot, take a shot now. What what more is Timmy going to do if he comes back and plays college basketball? He kind of is what he is at this point, no? No, I, I think there's some truth to that. I think his flaws, uh, perceived flaws, are well known. You know, foot speed, covering people on the perimeter and switches that they ask bigs to do, hitting threes. Those things are all, uh, uh, you know, well-known. He knew that when he decided to come back last year. Uh, another name that might fit that that you guys know, Nigel Williams-Goss. Sure. When he came to Gonzaga, sure. played sure. one year and declared and went. 
His is a little different. He was older. He had sat out a year. I think one factor that uh, is different with Drew is his earning potential in the NIL world. Okay. okay. He made pretty good money this year. Uh, he would make his good or better. I'm sure better even. Yep. He's more well-known. And, yep. and uh, I think he had three or four national deals just like Chet Holmgren. And when you stack up that he's not a surefire uh, you know, draft pick. He'll probably go in the second round. He's not a surefire guy to make a roster. Uh, those numbers that you can make in NIL could stack up to a rookie contract pretty closely. Jim, let's finish with the transfer portal and some names that we should remember as we mm-hmm. get ready for Gonzaga basketball when that comes about in October. Efton Reed is the first name. Now, people in our audience won't know who that is. He was a uh, a top-notch high school center, one of the top in the country, five-star recruit, played at LSU. He's coming to Gonzaga, 6'11 center. I would imagine that it, whether Timmy comes back or not, Efton Reed's going to be a, a major part of Gonzaga's program next year. And then there are some transfer portal guys that are considering where to go, some of which are in the NBA discussion as well. Tyrese yeah. Hunter is the big name everybody wants. He's the darling. I don't know if he's coming to Gonzaga or not. Um, how about some of the names that we should keep an eye on and talk about Reed a little bit, if you would? Well, Reed is a, a kid that started every game at LSU last year. He did not play a lot of minutes, I think somewhere around 20 minutes a game, because he got in foul trouble a lot. He, he was in foul trouble uh, quite a few games. I think he averaged over... 3.3 fouls a game, which in 19, 20 minutes is pretty, <laughs> pretty heavy foul load. So uh, he does have a lot of ability. There is so much potential there. I talked to a couple of coaches that that went up against him, and uh, one of them texted me back, just said he is going to be a very good player. Okay. So okay. I think you throw in Gonzaga's development, how they can get bigs to take another step in their careers. I, I think uh, they're looking for big things from, from Efton Reed. Uh, the name you mentioned, Tyrese Hunter, is probably the biggest name out there. Uh, lots of schools involved. He's indicated Gonzaga is one of six, I believe. The latest thing I read, there seems to be a, a, a thought that Texas might be the favorite. You know, he did visit last weekend out here. He'd be a huge addition, scores it, assists, uh, handles the ball. That's the probably the top name to watch. But the, the two kids that... Uh, also bear watching uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr., who is uh, just uh, strong as an ox bull inside uh, at La Tech. Uh, he is, is, is one of those guys. He's in the portal and he's in the draft. Mm-hmm. And he's working out for teams. He's not doing many visits as far as I can tell. He's doing the pro thing and, and this is his fallback plan. But a really capable scorer, tough guy. Played with Holmgren in the U-19 ah. team that won the gold medal. Okay, uh, He's one to watch if he does come back to college. The other one is Kevin McCuller. Yeah. A guy the Zags, pl- yeah. yeah, a guy the Zags played against. Long, rangy, 6'6 guy that can also distribute. Was their top assist guy. Uh, handle the ball. Great defender. He would be a nice fit, particularly if if Strother were to depart. Jim, it's great to hear your voice. Let's uh, let's visit uh, when uh, October rolls around again, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mitch. Together again with my good friend Lindsey Schwartz, CEO Daniels Broiler. How are you, Lindsey? And did the handicap go up, down, or stay the same on your recent golf trip to Palm Springs? 
Well, I'm doing great, Mitch. I wish I could say the handicap came down, but but I can't say that. But I'm going to blame it on on the weather. A Seattle guy like me is not used to playing in in 100 degrees plus, so uh, that's what you get. Uh, a few shows ago, you claimed that Mother's Day was your top-ranked Sunday of the year. Did it live up to the hype, unlike your beloved USC football team? <laughs> well, laugh all you can about USC, because I don't know you'll be able to joke about that uh, moving forward. But Mother's Day, yeah, it always lives up to the hype. Never fails to deliver. We had a fantastic day. All the moms that came and celebrated with us had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Daniels Broiler star busser Max Levy has been raving about the South Lake Union patio remodel, but he was concerned that you guys wouldn't have it finished for Mother's Day. What's the story behind the, the deck there at South Lake Union? Well, I'm excited, too, that we got it done in time for Mother's Day. And there is a backstory. We were not sure for the last few years whether we were going to be able to extend our lease in that location. Even though we've been there for so long, the developer, Vulcan, was looking at redeveloping that. And uh, the plan was for us to come back in if they had tore it down and rebuilt. But fortunately for us, they decided to leave it as is, which means that uh, we get to stay. We just signed a new 10-year lease there, which we're really excited about. And now we're working together with them to get some maintenance done on the inside, the outside, including the decks. And uh, the space is going to look better than ever. What's the history of that location, Lindsay? Well, we've operated it as Daniel since 2000, but old guys like you and me may remember that we had a restaurant there prior to that called Benjamin's. Benjamin's yes. on Lake Union opened in the 80s, and that had a, a nice long run, and that was a popular concept uh, before we changed it to Daniel's. Yes, I remember Benjamin's well. It's where George Carl came at me strong. It was a very ugly incident at Benjamin's. I was thinking about suing the owners, but I decided to let you guys off the hook. Yeah, probably better to sue him. He has deeper pockets. So uh, <laughs> you made the right choice of not coming after us. Well, Father's Day is June 19th. We love special occasions at Daniel's Broiler. And of course, way back to the radio days, Daniel's Broiler has been a terrific partner of mine for a lot of years. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. It's trivia time the Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call, rejoins us on Mitch Unfiltered, Katie Versio. Katie, how are you? How's everything at Evergreen Golf Call? I know it's been tough in the markets the last few months. Hey, Mitch, uh, it has been a very volatile last few months, but we're all doing well. Do we have a theme of questioning today? Yes. Today's theme is focused on interest rates. There's right. been some changes this year, and it's really been impacting markets. So I'm curious to how much you've been paying attention. I haven't been, but I'll do my very best. Well, I kind of have been. Question number one, Katie. So in March, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates for the first time since December 2018. How much did they increase rates by? Was it 0.25% or 0.5%? I'll say 0.25%. All right, you got it. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes, so they increased by just 0.25%, and it's really impacted markets. Both stocks and bonds are down in this environment, with bonds down about 9% and stocks down anywhere from 13 to 20%. It's really increased volatility. Okay, I guess I'm off to a good start. Uh, surprisingly to all of us. Uh, question number two, Katie. So the change in interest rates has impacted areas of the market differently. In April of 2021, a year ago, yeah. the 30-year fixed mortgage rate was on average about 3.2%. What is that mortgage rate today if you're gonna go out and get a new mortgage? Is it 4.2%, 5.2%, 6.2%? 
5% or 5.2%? I'll say 5%. I'll go right in the middle, Katie. It's actually 5.2%. So it's an increase on average of two percentage points. So that's a huge increase over that time period. Yeah, it's costing us a lot more each month on our mortgage. All right, question number three. Maybe I can go two for three. Go ahead. Okay, so in April of 2021, a six-month CD would earn you 0.17% in interest, so not very much. What is that rate today? Is it 0.2%, 0.5%, or 1% on a six-month CD? I'll say 0.5%, right in the middle again. Actually, 0.2%. So it's been interesting where, well, mortgage rates have spiked and some other interest rates have, have gone up. At the shorter end of the curve, interest rates have not increased much at all. So for savers, for those that are looking to save into a savings account or a money market, it really hasn't increased much at all. Which means it's been a bad few months all the way around for all of us savers out there. Right, Katie? That's right. Uh. All right. Well, next time we'll have a better update, hopefully, from Evergreen Golf Call. We love Katie Versio. We congratulate her on her new title over there at Evergreen Golf Call because Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. Are you ready for the other stuff part of episode uh, 191, please? Fill out your PGA Championship pool. You can win 500 bucks. Brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Pick five players in the upcoming PGA Championship. You can pick Austin Hurt. Yeah. Who was on the show from Bainbridge Island. He's playing in the PGA Championship. So don't forget about I that. I just may do that, actually. Wait, am I playing? You, you can play. To- yeah. yeah. It's not beat the boys. It's not. It's okay. just top 20 finishers win prizes. Top finisher wins 500 bucks. What if I'm the top finisher? Do I get to cash the check? I'll send it straight to the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> is that what it is? Not the Department of Motor Vehicles. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Who, is King no, County? Is Federal Way King County? No. Who knows? Is that Federal Pierce County? Way. Federal, Federal yeah, I'm sure Federal. it's King County. King County. Yeah. Okay. Evander Holyfield's son. You see him trying his boxing yeah, career? Yeah, it didn't work out so well. Evan? Evan. Well, he entered Saturday's Trillerverse 5 event with a 9-0 <laughs> record. To say he was the favorite against Jermaine McDonald was a bit of an understatement. God. Some books had Holyfield as... Minus 10,000 favorite. Yeah. To tell you about the guy he was fighting. And the guy beat him? To get a sense of what happened here, consider that McDonald, he had, the, the guy he fought had a six and five record. He's called the electrician because he is literally an electrician and had to go to work on Monday. <laughs> an appropriate knocked, nickname. Knocked him out, the poor guy. So I hope somebody made a lot of money on Evander Holyfield's Young son uh, going down with one hard punch on Saturday. Frank Gore, by the way. You see Frank Gore? It's on my list. Yep. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go finish. So, again, Saturday, he added. I thought he was still in the NFL. Yeah, I know. It's like. It's like an off-season hobby. It's crazy. He won, though, right? Yeah, he flattened his opponent, Yaya Olarunsola. Probably saying that wrong. With a brutal overhand right to win his professional boxing (laughs) debut by fourth-round knockout. Now, that wasn't his first in, the, in uh, professional ranks, though. Remember, he Frank competed Gore. in yes, an exhibition yes, bout yes. against Deron Williams or Darren yes, Williams. Yes, yes, Darren Williams. Darren Williams, The former yeah. point guard at the University of Illinois. That's right. Yes. Uh, part of the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley 2 card this past December. So good for Frank Gore. I guess he can just do anything. Yes. Good for Frank Gore. Yes. Uh, Earl Thomas was finally arrested. Should we point that out? I had that in my notes, and I was like, is that from last week? 
No, there was a warrant. It's the same thing. I just keep. It just like feels like there's always something there, there with was him. A, it was just the warrant. The warrant was out for his arrest. Oh. He was finally arrested on Friday. Third degree felony for violating a protective order two or more times within 12 months. Again, we'll say it. I don't think he's going to make a comeback. No. I don't think there are teams lining up to sign him. He'll probably be suspended for the first part of the season anyway. Right. And he wasn't a good teammate in Baltimore. You brought that out yep. a couple of times. Yeah. So he was arrested. Sad. Now, I'll give you... And I, yeah. I was going to say f funny stuff, but it's not really that funny, but it is funny. Okay. The Phil Mickelson stuff. I sent you a portion of it on, on a text yeah. earlier today. Yeah. So you know that Phil Mickelson is not playing in the PGA Championship, which I think is, is wrong. I think he should be playing in the PGA. He's the defending champion. He's been out of golf for plenty. I mean, this whole thing. And, and I look, I'm not a, I'm not a Phil Mickelson fan. Yeah. I think he should be playing in the PGA Championship. Doesn't he need the money? He might need the money, he but he's in, a, he's in a tough spot. Bomb his wife. Get your ass out there. You're playing Well, I, I think it is his choice okay. to not play. I think he's been invited to play, and I yeah. think he's choosing not to play. He's in a pickle because of a lot of different things. A, you know, that Saudi Arabian tour that he's under fire for aligning with. Yeah. They're playing their first tournament next month. I'm certain he wants to play in that. Gotcha. So how does he come back to the P answer all the questions and then go? Yeah. Then the book is coming out of you. You've heard about the, the 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 book. There's a couple books, but there's one that's coming out this Tuesday, just in time for the P just to welcome him back for the Perfect. PGA championship. And I have some I have some um excerpts yes. on on uh Phil Mickelson's gambling habits. Yeah. Would you like me to read some of this to you? I hope it's the one you sent me because it's unreal how funny that is. Is that funny? Yes. There's a couple. I'll read you a couple of excerpts from Alep, Alan Shipnook's book that's coming out on Tuesday, the biography of Phil Mickelson. Sleeve, uh, Steve Flesh was paired with him on a Sunday at the Hyundai team matches around the turn of the century in the year 2000. Quote, this is Steve Flesh, the golfer. And I'm surprised a lot of these guys were quoted in this book. I can't believe it. They're like airing the guy out. But maybe they feel like you have felt this whole time, knowing no, him that maybe. he's not a great guy. So who cares? Maybe. Yeah. Well, here's what Steve Flesh said in the book. Quote, every hole he was checking like a beeper or something, <laughs> Flesh said with a laugh. He could not have cared any less about what we were doing on the golf course. He was definitely more concerned about who was winning the football games and who was covering the spread. <laughs> God, Tom Lehman, uh. a different story, had a similar experience with Mickelson at the 2000 President's Cup. Now, you know what the President's Cup is? It's the U.S. versus the international team. It's not the Ryder Cup where they play the Euros. It's the rest of the world. It's gotcha. a pretty big deal. Okay, It's a pretty big deal. He's on a team of 12. He's representing the United States. It's like a little Olympic-y. Okay. It's a big deal. So okay. you're one of the top 12 players in the country if you're on it. Yeah, okay. and you're representing the country and the other 12 guys and you're trying to win the President's Cup, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's a pretty... I don't want to make it the Masters, but it's a pretty big deal. Sure. It's important. Okay. It's not like some hit-and-giggle event, gotcha. right? <clears throat> Tom Lehman had a similar experience with Mickelson at the 2000 President's Cup when he was paired with Mickelson for a Saturday afternoon better ball versus Mike Weir and Steve Elkington. Quote, says Lehman, Lehman Phil is hitting it everywhere. He's barely finishing a hole through the first eight holes. He keeps saying, don't worry, I'll show up eventually. On the ninth hole, he buries it into the front bunker and is out of the hole again. He walks his way all the way back into the trees and is sitting on a stump with his back to everybody and his head down. I think he's giving himself a pep talk, so I go over there to try to make him feel better, says Lehman. 
only to find out that he's on his phone checking the football scores. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Here he is feeling sorry for you. I'm going to go help the guy out. <laughs> he's checking his bets. Oh, that's incredible. Here's one I didn't send you. You know who Gary McCord is? Sure. Okay. When I was in the TV tower, says former CBS announcer Gary McCord, every time Phil got to my hole, Bones' his caddy would look at me and I would flash the odds. If Phil had a 15-footer, for example, yeah. I'd, flash, I'd flash three fingers, which meant I was giving him three to one on making the 15-footer. If he was 60 feet, I might give him two fingers for a two-putt. Bones would then go down to Phil, whisper in his ear what the odds were, and Phil would look at me and either shake his head, yes, I'll take him, or no. I can't tell you how many wadded up 20s I threw out of the town (laughs) until the tour found out about it and I got word through CBS I was no longer allowed to gamble with Phil while up in the tower. Makes sense, I guess. That's probably standard protocol for most broadcasts. All in the book. Incredible. I'll give you one more. Uh, in the Woods Mickelson polarity. Okay. Phil and Tiger have had a very complicated relationship, as yeah. you know. Phil's pudge was a metaphor for his lack of discipline on and off the course, according to Tiger Woods. Okay. He didn't think he was disciplined in the way he, sh- he kept himself in Took shape. Took care of his body. Yeah. Tiger's mother referred to him as, quote, the fat boy. And instead of lefty, hefty. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Boy, I hope she never sees me being Phil Mickelson's fat. <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> but her son, Tiger, could even be more brutal. Uh-oh. Writes uh, the author. One time in the Bay Hill locker room, says journalist John Hawkins, the hawk who's on this show all the time. Quote, Hawkins says, Tiger summoned me over. His manner was very serious, and I got this feeling like he's pissed off, and I was racking my brain thinking, what did I write that would have set him off? He was mad. He was tying his shoes and bent over, and then he stood up slowly and leaned into me to the point where he was violating my personal space, and he says, hey, Hawk, do you think Phil lactates? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's brutal. I mean, when I hear these stories and that, well, I don't know, Tiger probably didn't want that one out, but <laughs> these other ones would put their names on it. Maybe they just was unlikable and it just kind of root against him. I, but I'm still surprised that Gary McCord did it. I guess Gary's isn't so bad. It's 20s, whatever. Yeah. I mean, these guys, of course, you know, to to give them, to try to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think that Todd, La- uh, to Tom Lehman and Steve Flesh probably knew that it was going to be in the book that he lost 40 million between 10 and 14. True, yeah. And had they known that that was going to be in the book, they probably, and I don't know this for sure, they probably would have said, ah. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of piling on. You're getting your pound of flesh. I don't want, I don't want to, so I don't know. I don't know, but. Are you going to read that book? Oh. (laughs) You cannot wait. I'm going to be, I'm going to be at this, I'm the only guy who buys a book at the store. I'll be at the store waiting at like 9 a.m. when it opens on Tuesday. You're looking for a B. Dalton even though they don't exist. Yeah. Was it B. Dalton books? Was that the B. Dalton? Was that what it was called? Something Dalton books. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Are you, okay. a, you've been in small planes. Are you a small plane guy? Do you, have you taken many rides? In... I have taken a few really bad ones. Well. Yes. Have you been in a seaplane? I have been in a seaplane. Was that better? <sighs> There's a reason I'm asking, of course. 
Because those other I'm ones. I'm trying are, to think of whether I want to tell this story or not. Oh boy, it involves a very, a very popular name in the sea. I, I'm going to stay away from it. But somebody once very popular took insisted that I go up in a seaplane. Okay, and he took me from from Seahawks, the Seahawks facility over there on the water. Yeah, yeah. And we went to like one of the islands and splashed. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I guess we didn't splash down there. We we landed on land there, and when we came back, we splashed down. Back to the, uh, he took me for lunch. I can't, to this day, I can't believe I agreed to go with him. I was so scared. I was okay. so scared, yes. But it was okay. Now, I, I also took, when I was a kid, I think it scarred me, and the reason I'm scared is my family once went to Aspen. Okay. And I think that we flew, believe it or not, from Denver to Aspen. Okay. On, the, on a, little, a little wheeled plane. Well, Denver, it's like 10 minutes, yeah. a 10-minute drive from Denver to Aspen, and we're flying. <laughs> but we flew from Denver to Aspen, and it was, I thought... Sketchy. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, I've, I've been on them a lot because I had a really good hookup at a, uh, an airline in Seattle, a seaplane airline. Oh. A really cool hookup. Like, he hooked up a flight from Seattle to Chelan for just me and for my bachelor party. Okay. Me and the pilot. Okay. So oftentimes, you know, when you go in these planes, it's just one pilot. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the front and Megan's in the back. And I look over at our pilot's about to get in. He's finishing his cigarette. I'm like, <laughs> this, this guy could have a heart attack up here. What? He got the picture of health. What if he has a heart attack? Who's flying this thing? He used to freak me out all the time. And he gets in smelling like, yeah. well, a single engine Cessna was flying over West Palm Beach area oh. when ground controllers got a call from the passenger who said, my pilot has gone incoherent and I have no idea how to fly the airplane. His pilot just yeah. passed out. Yeah. So it was him and the pilot and yeah, a flight controller. You, you know, do. Yeah. He talked to the passenger through the landing and how to land and told him how to follow the coast, get to Palm Beach International. Yeah. yeah. It's one and of the. He got, guess, it, he got it down. He got it down. He, he got ultimately it down. landed safely. Unbelievable. If he would have got that plane down and it crashed, that would have been a miracle, right? I mean, right. the fact that he landed safely. Landed it safely. Maybe he played a, one of these Nintendo video games or something that gave him a little bit of training. Maybe. Enough training. Now is that a is that a more is that a more impressive accomplishment than the actual pilot who got the plane to stay on top of the water and got everybody out on the wings? Remember? Uh, oh yeah, you're talking about they, uh, they, Tildy Fildy. They uh, did the movie uh, Sully. Yeah, Sully, Sully. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he kept it in the. I mean, he's a trained pilot, but he yeah. kept it on top of the water. He did. Yeah, it's both impressive. I mean. Having no experience at all, I swear. When I sit next to that pilot, I'm watching. Okay, if you pull back, does that go higher? <laughs> Forward is down. Like I'm literally wondering, like how to fly this thing. You gotta love the the air no traffic controller to walk him to talk him down, huh? Incredible story. Yeah, there wasn't. There was actually another coincidentally a sad small plane story in the Miami area, but oh, this was not yeah. that. This was a happy ending. So mm. incredible job mm. by everyone. All right, so we did the Frank Gore story. So that's it. Um, we can kind of wrap up. Uh, I do want to, when we get to the RIPs, I'll do that. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything else? Jerry really Judy? Important. You following the Jerry Judy thing? Yeah, he's in trouble, right? Yeah, he got arrested. He got arrested for, he's a, he's a part of a domestic assault or something? Yeah, domestic violence, know. criminal tampering case. Yeah. So he, so the I guess the incident went down at 10.15 on Thursday. He was accused of illegally keeping property from the mother of his child, according ah, to the county sheriff. Okay. He was arrested, spent the night in jail before appearing in court Friday morning. He has been, uh, since he's been released, he was photographed leaving. Hey, that's one of Russell. He's Bronco, right? Yeah, one of his All right, Russell. It ain't looking too good for you. I kind of like the video. I don't know if you saw this. You probably didn't unless you were on social media a lot. 
Do you know who Anthony Rendon is? Does that name mean anything to you? No. So Anthony Rendon was one of these top-notch prospects. He was drafted in the first round. He played the bulk of his career with the Washington Nationals and then signed a mega deal to come to the American League West on the Angels. He's he's in a game the other night. You know these games that get out of hand? They get so out of hand that they bring in like they don't want to waste a pitcher. Oh, I love watching that, so yeah. The, so the team that's behind, <laughs> yeah. they'll bring in like an outfielder to pitch. Yeah, like 65 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, and they yeah. throw like little looping pitches. Yeah. Well, Anthony Rendon was due up for the Angels. I don't even know why he's still in the game. They probably should have pinched it for him or got him out of there. He's an all-star for the Angels. <clears throat> he's due up, and they're not pinch hitting for him. So he decides, look, if they're going to have fun in this blowout, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to hit left-handed. Oh, he boy. had never hit left-handed in his life. Unreal. Never hit left-handed, not one at bat. He's not a switch hitter. Yeah. He just decided, I'm going to put the an extra a helmet on back, you know, the other helmet on yeah, with the yeah. ear flap, and I'm just going to try this. Oh, God. And he hit a home run. Come on. Unbelievable. He hit a home run over the wall. One left-handed at bat in his entire Major League Baseball career, and he hit a home run. Now, I know people are saying, but he did it against an outfitter. He hit left-handed. Right. How would you look right. if you tried to throw a ball or do something with your opposite hand? Like, if it was, if he pitched it underhand to him from five feet away, I probably could. You know what I mean? Like the fact that he not only made contact but then got it out, he hit it over the wall. That's incredible. So I like that. That's great. Um, I gotta go watch that. And then you know she hasn't been discussed a lot on the show lately. She should have. There was a time that you brought her up on every show, so I thought I'd bring her back up. Did you know that Ellen DeGeneres? <laughs> yeah. Has has filmed her final show. Yeah. Lots of tears apparently around there. Lots of tears for the last couple of months on April the twenty eighth. She uh, she filmed the show. It will air on May 26th. It features an A-list lineup of guests. Oh, I'm sure it does, yeah. Including Jennifer Aniston, who was on the very first show. Pink, both of whom appeared on the very first show on September the 8th, 2003. Billie Eilish, Michelle Obama, Justin Timberlake, and Zac Efron. Ooh. I don't know who that is, Zac Efron. I know the name actor. Yeah, director. he was an actor. He was yeah, kind of big know. for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Those are some of the guests, and I thought I'd bring her up for you. You know how old Ellen is? I thought I saw. Maybe yes, I'm... I think she's a little older than me, right? Yeah, but... I th- 60? It was, it was 64. Is she 64? That's what I thought I saw. Let me just check that. A lot older quick. than me, ladies and gentlemen. That, doesn't that sound kind of old, though? Or yeah, no? but she knows that uh, KJR is on 93.3. That's true. She hasn't quite, lo- quite lost her fastball like some people who do podcasts around here. That's incredible. 64. So, so she's, uh, she's, she's wrapping things up. And what's she going to do now? counter money she's always she's always like selling a house and buying a always house. doing flipping something here and there yeah always doing something with houses. she'll be just fine i'm guessing financially yes yeah i think she's done pretty pretty well for herself forbes came out with the top 10 highest paid athletes in the world list which i always love looking yes. at yes lebron james was in second place ah. around 100 and well, let's see what did lebron make i had this it here. Is last year like 2021 2021 yes yeah yeah, so he was he old, make? Uh, $121 million. Not bad. For a guy who didn't even make the playoffs this year. It just makes me laugh. He's in second place? Second Must place. Must be some sort of like a race car driver, soccer player. There you go. You can figure it out. Messi? Correct. I don't even know who Messi is. Messi made $130 million. Wow. Leo. Tiger Woods must have done pretty well for himself with endorsements anyway. No, he's not on the list. In 2021? He's always making money in endorsements. Well, he was not on the list. Cristiano oh. Ronaldo, number three. Yeah. Neymar, I guess, is a soccer yeah, player. Soccer, for, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Stephen Curry, number five. Didn't realize that. 92 wow. million. Wow. Durant, 92 million. Yeah. And Giannis coming in at number 10, $80 million. Very nice. 
Pretty good uh, year's work for those guys. If you can get it. Yes. Brittany, we're doing the Fakakta podcast. <laughs> no kidding, No one will wait and review us. We're schwitzing over here like a maniac. Okay, RIP. I have malaria. Yeah. Let's start with where we should start on RIP, and that is the terrible tragedy in Buffalo, New York over the weekend. Should we start there? Yes. And, uh, and say that our thoughts are with the family's senseless, senseless catastrophe in Buffalo at a, at a, at a market, at some sort of a market. Yeah. God, 13 were shot, 10 are, 10 are dead. Just a, a horrible, a horrible stain. Yeah. And uh, you start there with the RIP. And then the other RIP that I had. And just before you get into that, yes. there was another one on Sunday at a church. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, in California. There's another mass that. shooting. So RIP to them too. Yeah. Yeah. Rough. I know that you were going to bring up, you probably were going to bring up Fred Ward. I have Fred Ward, yes. Yeah. He is one of those, per, I mean, he is one of those people, those actors that you have no idea. When you see his name, you might not have any idea who he is. Yeah. But as soon as you see his he's face. That guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. Yeah. He's been in so many movies yep. that you've seen. Everybody would recognize him. He's got that, he's got that like stereotypical bad guy look for yeah. whatever whoever whoever his mother and father is he awesome. came out he came out of the womb <laughs> yeah. with just a look that looks like a bad guy yeah he's he just does not look pleasant nope. he looks like he's mad looks all like the time looks like a hard ass he doesn't is. he yeah. like dick enberg if you remember dick enberg he was the opposite he had this like yeah. he had a grin he used to talk about it my face just has a grin. I don't even, I'm not even smiling. <laughs> not even it has a grin. This guy just looked like he was mad. Yeah. He was in tremors and the right stuff. And yeah, won a Golden Globe for right stuff. Yeah. I found it interesting that upon his death, his family has, has asked that all contributions be made to the CTE Center at Boston University, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know that that's what he suffered from, but, you know, the CTE Center in Boston, Boston University is the is the place where all of the brains go of the athletes. Is that where the movie was based out of? I don't was know it? about the movie. What movie? The movie about NFL concussions? Probably, yeah. I think it was. We've yeah. had the guys on, on the podcast. That's the number one center, research hmm. center. That's where all of the, the athletes that, that sign off for that after they pass away, yeah. that's where, and their families, they send their brains to CTE Center in Bo at Boston University, and that's where Fred Ward, for whatever reason, yeah. has said we want we want contributions to go there. Yeah, yeah, as of this recording, his cause of death is currently unclear. So yeah, it'd be interesting, interesting to see if... Yeah, you don't think of actors as people no, who might no. suffer from that. But yeah, no. I guess who knows. Anyway, no. he, he will be missed. He was quite quite the uh, the actor, quite the character actor. Yeah. What about Bob Lanier? Oh yeah, we got to bring him up. Bob, Bob Lanier, Lanier, 73 sure. years old, Detroit sure. Pistons legend. Sure, St. Bonaventure. Is that right? Yeah. Eight all-star teams in 14 seasons. But most known for... The size of his feet. They said when I was a kid, he, uh, this is something that I've I've had trouble with the last week and a half since he passed, or last week. Um, they used to say it was legendary when I was a kid and playing basketball. The Bob Lanier was known for his size 22s. Yeah. But I'm reading in the last couple of days that that was an urban myth. That his feet were not that, were not, well, they were big, but they were not that big that he was really a 17 and not a 22. And I feel like I, I, I lost a little bit of my youth when that, when I. <laughs> Sometimes it's better not to know, huh? You don't, who, who well, I spent time thinking, I, I spent time kind of contemplating a size 22. Well, see, being I can't a, get that, I can't get the, that, that time back. Being a big wrestling fan, Andre the Giant, they said, had a 22. Yes. Now, there's a guy who can use a 22. Well, seven, he looks four, like a guy that should have a 22. Bob Lanier was a big guy, but not like that. 6'11? Yeah. Plenty of guys that are 6'11. Yeah. And he was good on the radio. He was a good speaker. He was good. 
Colorful guy. Yeah. Really good. Uh, Ambassador for the game too, right? Did in the famous airplane scene? Yeah. Yeah. With Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What did he say? Murdoch mentions him. Oh, okay. Because so I'm right the, about that. Yeah, because remember the kids busting you his try, balls? You try hauling like Wilt. Walt, Walton and, and Lanier up the Walt court for 48 minutes or something. And Yeah. Because he says, my dad says you don't play defense. Yeah, I remember the scene. I'm just trying to remember who he, who he quoted. Who yeah. The, I think it was Walton and Lanier, if Walton I'm not Lanier. mistaken. Yeah. 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 Hilarious, by yeah. the way. Murdoch. Yeah. yeah, but he was 6'11", 250, went on. He started for the Bucks, played four seasons in Milwaukee before retiring. Yeah. And they right. say he was a great ambassador for the game. David Stern and Silver, those guys loved him. And so, yeah, rest in peace to Bob Lanier. I have a quick update. We talked about how uh, Winona Judd passed away. Yes. And it looks like it was a self-inflicted. Yes, it was. Gunshot wound. I said Winona. It's actually Naomi Judd. Yeah, please, don't, the don't, daughter. please don't make that mistake. Naomi Judd committed suicide by firearm, according yes, to Ashley yes. Judd. So, yeah. And then did you know about this basketball player, Adrian Payne from Michigan State? I do. This I remember cracked him. right when, after you and I recorded last week. He died of what? It was a gunshot, gunshot wound. He was wound. trying to break up a I dispute. Him. Good player. Good, really good college player. Really good college All player. All-American college player. Yeah. Played in the NBA. Played in Europe. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, so rest in peace to him. Yes. Do you have any other ones? Nope. All right, I got some headlines. You if do. you'd like to finish off with some headlines. Nice after segue. Some, some RIPs. Well, I'll tell everybody to... Uh, you go. You do that first. Angered that a neighbor's chicken had been pooping on the back patio. Oh, I hate it when that happens. A woman allegedly retrieved a full bucket of pee from her bathroom and proceeded to douse the chicken's <laughs> owner with the liquid, according to an arrest report. As unbelievable as this story is, anyone else curious why she had a full bucket of pee in the bathroom? Don't... More of a question than a joke, I guess. That's the part that jumped out at me. Just had that ready, huh? All right. Texas apparently is set to train Mexican state on how to use razor wire for border security. Sorry, but Texas thinks people need training on how to use razor wire? I don't know. It seems pretty self-explanatory to me. All right. A woman from Maryland threw a message in a bottle into the ocean hoping to get a response. And three years later, yes. a man in Ireland finds the bottle on a beach. Really? The man put his own message in the bottle, hoping to reply to the woman that sadly read, what are you wearing? <laughs> a woman on TikTok uploaded a video to prove a point who, to any man who claims yes. he's too big to wear a condom. The woman managed to roll one over her foot and up her entire leg past her knee. Now, personally, I remember saying the words, I'm way too big for one in a hotel room one time, except I was talking about the hotel robe. Those things never fit. <laughs> and finally, as I scroll down, because I lost my place here. Did you put the robe on? Well, <laughs> I'd like to. Turns out they never fit. Yeah. And an Upper East Side condo building in Manhattan, where units sell in the millions, is suing an 83-year-old female resident, accusing her of pooping in the pool, according to court documents. <laughs> I gotta say, for an 83 years old, Amber Heard looks pretty darn good. Uh, are you following that? I didn't know if you're a little that. bit. All right, a little bit. She was accused Saturday of pooping night. on Johnny Depp's bed. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, you know uh, this court I, I, case. I've been just is, yeah. I purposely stayed at, or stayed away, kept it off the. It's so convoluted. I wouldn't even know. Yeah, how but to isn't even it a start. serious overall? Oh. Isn't it supposed to be a serious accusation? Of, yeah, it's it's ugly, drugs and yeah. abuse and all that. Yeah. And so if you don't Saturday like Saturday Night Live, apparently didn't have any problem mocking it. Yeah, they went hard after it. From yeah. what I heard, I haven't got to it yet, but of yeah, you have. I will. <laughs> Or as I call it, Wednesday Night Live. That's usually when we get to it. All right, that's it. I'm done. Okay. Pooping in PGA pools. PGA Championship. Yes. Pool. Yeah. MitchUnfiltered.com. Pick five guys. And please, 
please, for the love of the Lord. Rating and review. If you have something nice to say, though, I mean, I don't want to encourage true feelings that might be hurtful. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Episode 191 <laughs> is in the books.